Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, anyone that has decent taste in uh, podcast, basically. Rate and review us if you haven't already and you've been a long-term listener. I know there's plenty of you still out there. Get on board or bang your head on the desk and give yourself a triple. Boxhead, how you doing? Good, buddy. How you doing? Back at work, mate. Back at work. Not that I was ever not at work, but... uh, pretty much back to normal as of today which was weird lots of people getting around and avoiding one another and we were out and about full ball there you go yeah uh, we had a positive COVID test at uh, the little girls well our kids daycare so there's been a little bit a little bit going on so we're in uh, 14 days also you're locked up, they won't let him out. Locked up, so I think we're in... Uh, we're talking about it before he came on out. I think we're in day... Day 10, maybe? Day 11? Well, clearly the uh, the traces are under the pump because it was a couple of days before he even found out. Yeah, well, we just got notified... Um, notified that there was a case and then there was pretty much no further information for two or three days um, and then it came through about 48 hours later that it was we got some dates and times and uh, luckily the, the person who had it wasn't in their room there's three rooms there's a preschool room toddler room and a, um, a nursery so out, out through in the nursery and the toddler room so they luckily were not in the preschool room where this person was and uh but they were still deemed close contacts, and because I was, I've been picking them up and dropping them off, I've been deemed a close contact as well. But obviously, my wife's here; she can't escape it, so she gets thrown in the boat with all of us. So yeah, we've got the uh, there's a bit of stir craziness going on here at the moment. Um, but we had the little girl's birthday on third birthday on the weekend, so which was tough as well because she couldn't see anyone, and yeah, so we're. It's good, it's all good, life's good, but uh, yeah, we're just fighting those little battles, I guess, that everyone else is fighting at the moment. Um, but we'll, we'll get there, we'll get through. 100%. Not, not long to go, luckily, because they obviously backdate things once they get the information, so what have you got left? Three days or something, isn't it? Four days, I think, yeah. Damn. I think it'll be, it'll be eight days isolation yeah. from the point... Um, from when we found out, basically. All right. Well, again, like we say every episode, while this has been going on, everybody out there, uh, 
if you need anything, you need to talk, you're bored, you want to message us, feel free. There's still a couple in the inbox we need to clean up or respond to. We've had a couple uh, that we've got back to. Um, and if you're out there, same deal. Stay busy, friends, family, us if you want to chinwag about football. Just keep on uh, fighting the good fight and hopefully we're out of this sooner rather than later. But for now, let's jump straight in. Set of six, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about in regards to the wonderful game that is rugby league. And tackle one, I think, probably the best thing to talk about after the craziness that ensued on the weekend was the game coming to a halt, which we didn't expect. Yeah, well, I thought that was the whole reason we moved to Queensland. So, um, I, I found it astonishing that Saturday they, they wouldn't allow the NRL to play without crowds. Mm. I, th- I thought that was just craziness, but it just about sums up the Queensland government. I think they're, um, you know, they wanted the game up there and wanted Origin and wanted all these different things. Um, the NRL's up there, they're in a bubble. The players are quarantined, the families aren't with them. I, look, I, I have no idea why they didn't just say, look, games are going ahead, but with no crowds. That would have been easy to play on. But um, they're a government, yeah, that just... Probably the less I talk about it, the better. But um, I think it was more the government's fault. I think the NRL, when you heard um, Ivan Cleary talk on, I think it was Saturday, Saturday night, Saturday afternoon... He was talking about, you know, they got told three or four different possibilities. They were just, they were going to move the game and, um, you know, they, they were told they might board a plane to Canberra, they might board a plane to Townsville. So I think the NRL exhausted every other, you know, I don't think it's, it's the NRL's fault they would have exhausted everything. But um, for whatever reason, the, the Queensland government shut it down and then allowed them to play it, you know, 18 hours later. So well, The only thing I was confused about, some were saying that, Obviously, up there, they go back to level three, so they could go play golf, they could go to a few things. It was made out like there was the possibility that they had essentially broke the bubble and just got let free in society. I don't think that's the case. I don't know how... If yeah, you even, go- even, if they, even if they had, right, they're still in a, in a bubble in that they're not living or staying with anyone from the general public. So whether they're... You know, if you want to protect the public safety, then I guess you you just have no fans, like they were doing in New South Wales. Yeah, and they the obviously reason they, they moved up there was to yeah continue to go to have fans. Yeah, and to continue, but to also have fans. Yeah, and I think the other point to come out of this because everyone was like, well, you know, everything got stopped. Well, it didn't. The races went ahead at Eagle Farm, so yeah, exactly. The government yeah. still raked in the money from that side of things because well, they're getting cash out of it. That's yeah. Right. yeah, so I think from that side of things, it's going to be interesting to see because a lot of people have immediately brought up that um, why they're thankful that they're up there and they're working with the Queensland government and they got things turned around pretty quickly. I don't think they were expecting that to happen, and obviously they weren't pre-warned about what was happening at the press conference. Um, the fact as well on top of that Anastasia did complain that they obviously lost a lot of money from tourism when she decided to shut the borders for long term the year prior the NRL has now introduced 10 to 15 million dollars a month at the moment so they're obviously stimulating the economy as well so it's a bit of a two way sort of streak to be able to continue Uh, and then the other side of things was them wanting to host the final series and possibly the grand final but after that straight away there's been talk about Melbourne so I don't know whether that's just I, so. I think Queensland, Queensland had a logical choice to yeah. 
host the finals. But I think maybe that might have been that, that's just my that's my opinion. Thrown out there a little bit just to let them know about the situation. That's all. But yeah. Melbourne seemed very keen on it. They talk about Matt Tripp from the Storm, the possibility to bid for it even individually. There's been push for the government. Um, today, I think Vossi or others brought up that if no one could host it, if there was an outbreak here and in New South Wales, that New Zealand should get it, which, again, I know that would be a great rule, reward uh, for New Zealand, but I think it would be a bit random to take a grand final over there. Would you be allowed in? I think we're banned eight weeks at the moment from travelling over there, so I don't even know how that would work in terms of the, the bubble. Like if, if you couldn't have it in... New South Wales and you couldn't have it in Queensland and everything fit for the MCG full house no restrictions well you would have to do it but if it was coming down between the two money was close and the NRL was going to be serious you'd have to take it to the heartland which would be Queensland yeah I think there'll be a lot of water under the bridge between now and the NRL probably having to make a decision I don't think they need to rush and make a call now no it's it's a really just a strange situation isn't it well I think even if they were given any assurances I think that the comments from the chief medical officer they couldn't exactly just bounce back on that straight away so I'm sure there was a little bit that happened behind the scenes in between then and the games getting back on but yeah I don't think uh, the NRL was expecting that that's for sure well yeah no you wouldn't think so it's yeah it was just a, just a strange situation a strange way of dealing with it from a government perspective, um, but I applaud the NRL. They just they got on with it, and um, yeah, it was it was it was good. It could have easily that round could have easily fallen apart, but you know we got gifted some Monday night football, which was fantastic, and um, yeah, just wrong one. Yeah, get on with it. Happy with Monday night football. Had a few people comment on the page straight away saying that I'd be happy, and I was. It's. The worst day of the week. I don't care what anyone says. Thursday night footy, Monday, as far as attendance, TV audience, I don't know a whole lot of difference. I'm sure attendance-wise there wouldn't be a whole lot of difference, but like a Thursday, when there's a Thursday at Penrith, you can't go to the game. If you do, it's 8.30, you got work in the morning, you got to get up, you can't get on the cans. I know Monday's a little bit different as well, but Monday's just a nicer reward to come home to, I think, than Thursday. Yeah, that's true. I really enjoy it. So I, I was very happy to sit down after work and uh, enjoy both those games of football. But tackle two as we move on, the top eight picture. And as far as that log jam at the bottom in particular, it gets no clearer. Canberra had the opportunity to move clear of everybody in that cluster with the results if they went their way. Every result went their way except their own. They lost to Newcastle. They've brought Newcastle now into that cluster. Also on eight wins, the Dragons lost. They're on eight. Cronulla, as expected, lost on eight. And the Gold Coast won putting them on eight. So now, Titans on four and against have come all the way up to seventh from 11th, minus 24. Cronulla got the pegged back a bit of the four and against, but they're still holding on to eight. They're minus 58. Raiders, minus 82. Dragons, minus 82. And Newcastle, horrendous, minus 147. Because prior to yesterday, and I, you know, you missed Ponga, you miss Pierce, you miss spine members and lots of key players for a long period of time. They were the second worst attacking team in the competition. But given this current predicament and the way things have panned out, uh, the Tigers, like we said, had one of the better draws of basically taking themselves out of the equation altogether now. The Warriors, there's no way they're going to make up that ground, but uh, the Titans certainly put themselves in a favourable position with the way results have gone. 
the Dragons post barbecue gate, and obviously now Ben Hunt with a broken forearm. They play the Raiders this week, so it's a huge game for those two to essentially, you know, really, really place pressure on one. You've got Cronulla after that loss, putting themselves in a position. I think they've got the Warriors this week. Uh, the Gold Coast. Who are they up against? I forgot who they were playing. Titans have got the Cowboys, who have lost seven in a row. Yeah. So there's a chance there that a few of these teams, particularly Cronulla, Gold Coast, uh, have favourable matchups. Canberra Raiders are going to take basically one each other out. Newcastle building nicely, potentially getting pierced back this week to play the Broncos. So why finding some form? Um, their draw is quite favourable on the run home. So if they can, and we've said it the whole time, if they get healthy of all those teams there, I thought if Canberra and Newcastle were healthy, they're probably the two best options to go there. Raiders have probably left things a little bit too late, but Newcastle, if Pierce gets back on board, you saw best, you saw that left-hand side, their forward pack. Uh, if they can jump into seventh or eighth, that, I think they might be good nuisance value for somebody in fifth or sixth. Well, they would be, yeah, based on the way they played on the weekend. That was fantastic. And, you know, yeah, like you said, with Pierce back, that would just be, yeah, they go to a new level. So, mm. But the, again, the... You know, the issue with those sides, your Newcastle, your Canberra, your Gold Coast, is consistency is exactly what... The reason why they get in, um, you know, or the reason why they'll only just sneak in, well, you know, it's sort of been their downfall all year. They just haven't been able to get their get their game on. And, oh, like, I find it incredible that the, the team like the Gold Coast finds themselves in the top eight at the moment. Like, they're in seventh. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, probably a must-win for them this weekend, again, up against the Cowboys, because the week's following, they do play the Melbourne Storm. Yep. Um, and I think prior to that, it might have been another South Sydney. So the next two after that, then they play Newcastle, who are directly in play for that position, and finish off last round against the Warriors. So there's potentially... Two wins there. You look at Newcastle, they're playing two teams that directly affect their position there. They play the Sharks after that. But you look at it, the way things are going now, depending on what happens between the Raiders and the Dragons on the weekend, the Raiders as well, they've got to play Manly. They've got to play the Storm on the run home. The Dragons have got Penrith. Uh, I think somebody else in that run that's not quite favourable. It's probably shaping up now, even though the Sharks have been a little bit up and down between them and the Gold Coast to maybe fall in that other spot besides Newcastle. Yeah. So every week it just changes. Every time one of these teams looks like they're getting a bit of momentum, they get beaten or they beat one another. The log jam to turn into five teams at this point on 8 and 11 is just insanity. Yeah, like you said, mate, it's just absolute uh, craziness. Yeah. That, that, you know, I... It's going to change and it's going to ebb and flow. I think Canberra were they got into like a dollar forty for um, to finish into the, in the eight, and then you know they lose on the weekend, so they're back out again. And Newcastle sort of come into the picture, and the Titans drop in, and yeah, it's it's mental, isn't it? Like Sean Johnson got you know he's out for the year, and now Ben Hunt's got a broken. Is a broken arm he's got. Yeah, he's out for four just, weeks at least. Yeah, it's just craziness. Hey? There's going to be so many, I guess, curveballs thrown into all this before we hit the um, hit the finish line. So I, I, it's really opened up. So it's top four, which is which is good. I, you know, I'm enjoying that part of it. That, that it's not as 
cut and dry is probably what we thought it was going to be. Mm. And you've obviously got the situation now where Parramatta lost to the Roosters. They're equal on points. They get to play Manly in the next few weeks. Parramatta, they've still got to play uh, Penrith again, the Storm. They've got the absolute death row as far as runs go. There's potential that they fall out. You've got the Roosters and Manly essentially jockeying now along with Parramatta to get that fourth spot. Manly's draw is probably a little bit more favourable. The Roosters uh, this week up against the Panthers. you got Penrith now equal with South Sydney. They're better off on for and against, but depending on who plays this weekend, I think everyone was named. Nathan's even the reserves. Tough matchup against the Roosters. Their top two spot is no longer guaranteed. Uh, I still think there won't be a whole lot of change. Like two and three, they're that far ahead of Parramatta. I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion unless Melbourne lose two in a row to get overtaken by one of those two, um, that they'll potentially play each other with one of the finals, Panthers and South. Um, I I can't see Melbourne dropping top spot now. No, I agree, mate. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I can't see fourth catching Penrith or South Sydney. Also, put my Melbourne hat on for a minute. I was very happy to think that Parramatta was going to land in fourth spot, to be honest. But if Manly pushed up in there, um, depending on how that matchup sort of goes this week, and I think they're a team that could give Melbourne some trouble, so... If they somehow got into fourth and that was a week one matchup, that would be a, a much harder proposition, I think, than Parramatta at this point. Mm. So. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've got more X factor, they? Yeah, and no, I think that, that brings like, another element. Like Turbo, the way Turbo's going, mm. buddy, you don't want to, you'd just rather avoid them at all costs. Yeah, well, I'm interested for this week. I'm disappointed. I think Felice got suspended. I don't know if Nelson's back. I haven't looked at the lineups yet and on their side of things. I don't know what happened with Paseca, if he got suspended or not, but they were pretty close to full strength. I was looking forward to hopefully seeing him go head-to-head. Pretty much uh, full kit, but uh, maybe a couple of players short, but I'm very interested to see them this week. Yeah, me too. I can't wait for that game. Mm. It's going to be an absolute belter. And then, obviously, we talk about the Roosters. They've had more injuries long-term than anybody playing without basically half their side and uh, find a way to win again. Still in the mix for that fourth spot. I think Manly are probably more likely to land there. But again, if they land in fifth spot, play somebody like Cronulla week one, get a win, and one of those top four teams has a hard first week fighting to make a prelim, um, the Roosters are probably not a matchup you want to have if you're coming off a hard game, that's for sure. Absolutely not. So, Absolutely not. There's a few chess pieces that have sort of unfolded here and at least a little bit more interest for us to watch on the run home to who lands in fourth, who potentially plays Melbourne, who still jumps in um, to those two last spots. So, yeah, it looked like it was almost a foregone conclusion. We're still getting a little bit of entertainment out of it. But speaking of those teams there, we'll move on to tackle three. And speaking of people falling by the wayside, the Parramatta Eels, it's happening again. They've had this knack the last couple of years of winning early, showing a lot of potential, sort of getting to the origin period. Then on the back end, where they've generally had a tougher run or had to play some top sides, their form's been indifferent. This year, especially the draw they've got, like we said, is the murder run on the way in. And, you know, it's it's not looking good. And for anyone to point to the excuse of Pierce, I just go back to who they played on the weekend. If, oh, sorry, Moses. You want to complain about Moses? Look at who you played and who they were missing. Yeah. The, like someone said the other day about I wonder the terms in terms of who's missed what amount of time and who's had the most injuries and oh we've had injuries and they haven't etc the Roosters have had 15 players out of their top squad miss five or more weeks yeah like that's insanity it's half your squad they've just had to pick up 
Dale Copley, that reshuffle happened exactly how we said it would in terms of Adam Kearing playing at centre, goal kicking, Manu not just being deployed on the wing. Like The fact that people literally thought he was just going to sit on a wing was insanity. Tedesco playing on the ball almost as an extra half to free up Walker, Hutchison doing the kicking, etc. But they had 15 five-plus week injuries. And next, which probably speaks to a little bit of the run they've been on, but uh, also where they're at, the Cowboys. They've got 12 that have been five or more weeks. Newcastle, who went on that horror run that we spoke about, 10 players. The one who's probably a surprise is Manly's had 10 people miss five-plus weeks. Obviously started terribly, but since then, when they've got healthy and been on a bit of a run, um, they've done quite good. And probably on the flip side of that, disappointing probably from your perspective, the Titans have only had three long-term injuries, um, but obviously find themselves in a position where they're still fighting. A lot of Penrith fans I saw saying like, oh, you know, Souths or Melbourne or these sort of teams haven't had long-term injuries. Melbourne's had eight players miss five or more weeks. You've got Harry Grant, he's only played seven or eight games. You've got Pappenhausen, who was the Clive Churchill medalist, miss half the season. Um, they've had, you know, players in a heavy origin period, much like Penrith. I think the real proof in the pudding here, and again, you saw it on the weekend, I don't think people really appreciate how much of a difference Nathan Cleary makes to that football side, and in particular, all those spine players. Like, Jerome Luai is clearly not the same player without Nathan. No, the, the team isn't. No. They're nowhere near it. And, um, and that, that's not to say they're not an elite team. But no. I don't think they can win the comp without Nathan Cleary. Simple as that. 100%. It's... And that's the thing on the Melbourne side. You say, well, they've kept winning and it seems like they haven't had injuries, but I think the difference is they're not relying on any of those guys solely as much as one another. Like, they're all parts of the cog. There's clearly some good players there. But Harry went out and everyone yeah. thought Harry was the bee's knees. Cheese steps up to prove the point that he thinks he should be the number nine. Nico Hines was a guy who had spent five or six years after leaving Manly playing Queensland Cup floating around before he got his opportunity. He's now been spoken about and made the Origin squad, and people are wiping Pappenhausen. Yeah. Um, you know, Origin representation. I don't think Munster's played that well yet. They've still won, and that's you know speaks to the depth and the development of what they've got. But watching Penrith, you still had Burton, who's you know sought after by lots of clubs. Big payday. Luai's played for New South Wales. Martin was still playing. Catewell was still playing. Kikau was still playing. Stephen Crichton, Edwards, like they still put a handy side on the field. Clearly missing a lot of key players. But I think the biggest thing to see for all without Nathan there is Nathan frees up so many other people to just do their job. And he does that so well, controlling and steering things around, but also still having an impact on the game at the times he chooses to run, at the times he chooses to dictate play, whether they're going to go fast, slow. The kicking game so much better thought out. He is the most important cog by far for Penrith. Yep, absolutely. So I'd, I'd go as far as saying that Outside of uh, Tom Turbo, he's probably the most important player in the competition. For his team. For team. I certainly think so. But Yeah, for, for, the, for, for the, the team. For the team. So you look at, like I said, Parramatta, going back to that after going on a bit of a rant, they're saying Moses isn't there and you lose Campbell Gillard or Wanga Blake. Like, look at the team you play. They've been relying on guys to come in and do a job and playing minutes and playing out of position. And they lost Morris again the other night, so it's another injury. Like, there's no excuse to sit there and go, well, you know, we, we lost those couple of guys. It's like, well, you still lost 28-0 to a team that's put it on an 18-year-old halfback, uh, you know, bit of a journeyman player in Hutchison who's still barely played maybe 20 games of NRL. A completely 
yep. reshuffled team. They've got some good players in their start 13 when they're all back on board, but to do what they're doing, considering the troops there's lost and to keep marching on and then dish that up, if you want to be a top four team, if you want to be a contender, you can't get dusted 28-0 in that game. No. And probably speaking no, more no, volume no. is the start. Like, the Roosters made a lot of errors, gave them plenty of opportunity inside 20, the first 20 minutes to come get them. And they couldn't capitalise. No, they, they never looked in it. They never, ever, ever looked in that game. It was it was borderline embarrassing how badly they got dismantled. And that might, that might be harsh, but... I, you know, I said last week, Parramatta had, had lost me. They yeah, fell further down the, uh, down the ladder in my... Um, my estimations based on what they did on on Thursday night because it was just more of the same. They, they tried exactly the same things. They played without a plan B. Yeah, it's it, mind-boggling. I know Moses isn't there, but, you know, you've had a week to sort of look at what went wrong against Canberra and they've come out and essentially picked the, the same side, which I think was a mistake, and they play essentially the same way. It's, yeah, really... Absolute head scratcher. Well, I think there's a few things that people are wondering, and that's what can they do? I've said it the whole way along. I think they've definitely got a good forward pack. I think that's a strength. I think a couple of the spine members in particular, Brown, if he has the right halfback and Reed, are good players. But the two for me that I look at and think in particular they need to deliver if they're ever going to win a comp is Gutherson and Moses. And even with them there, I just don't see it. I think Moses is too kick-happy. I think also the fact... He's playing his son. Like Jacob Arthur's well out of his depth. Well, I, I would have played Will, Will Smith well before I played Arthur. I would have played anyone but Jacob Arthur. Like, it's embarrassing that they're not having a tough conversation about the way he's playing and, you know, whether he's the best option for him in that position. It's staggering in, from what I've seen that he keeps getting a run in first grade. But, you know, and I'm not saying he's not a future first grader. Mm. But right at this point in time, he's not their best option in that position. No, I agree with you 100%. The thing is, people are going, well, how do they turn it around? I don't think they can because, similar to Starby, I love their forward pack. I like bits of their spine, but I just don't think it's a competition-winning spine. Like, Gutherson every day of the week, full credit to the bloke, said it a million times, super busy, always around the football, lots of energy, kick returns, kick meters, support. Like, there's nothing he does not do, but I don't think he has that bit of special about him. He doesn't have an X factor or an element to his game of your Trebojevic's, your Tedesco's, these other sort of guys. I don't think he has that extra string to his bow. I don't think Moses, again, has that ability to take a game by the scruff of the neck as a seven, dominate it, control it, own it. I think, in general, we've said this before, he kicks. He kicks a lot. He's somebody you can spot up in defense. You know, I'm sure when he's there, he might control things a little bit more to let Brown sort of play a little bit more off the cuff, but I, I still look at it, and if you said to me tomorrow, what, what would I do or what would I change about Parramatta? Number one, I never would have signed Wunga Blake. Um, I think definitely they need somebody better off in the centres. And number two, I'm looking at the spine going, well, I've probably got a nine. I like my six. They're both young. But out of my fullback and my seven, one of those needs to be upgraded. I don't think this is a competition-winning spine. I really don't. Yeah, again, I find it extremely hard to argue and probably another point and we've brought this up before and a lot of people were shocked last year to look at someone like Mike Acevo and the work he doesn't do 
in yardage and the way he reacts when he gets hit and this, that, and the other. If you're that big and you don't embrace the yardage side of the game, you're fucking kidding yourself. It's all well and good to want to run hard and get physical inside 20 or inside 10, but it is even more important on the back end that you do damage and you get quick play, play the balls and you set start. And Ferguson was good getting his opportunity the week before. He busted his head earlier in this one. He was a bit off the cuff. Like, he didn't have a great game, but they need more out of Siva. Like, for all the flash and excitement and talk about, oh, look what he does when he gets close to the try line, it means fucking zero when you get nothing at him on the back end. Yeah. So, I I just can't see how it turns around. And to talk even about Moses, Moses' game in general, him not playing. You put him in there the other night, I still don't see him beating the Roosters the way they played. No, I agree. I just, agree. yeah, I don't see him as that person that if he played, he would have been the difference. No, I, I think that's the reason why I find it hard to make excuses for them. Mm. But what what do you change? It's, like, I, think it's, I think it's, what do you change? I think you, you change the way you play. And what I mean by that is, is that they, they, they rely on their power game. So two weeks in a row now they've been punched in the mouth in the middle of the field because they don't have the deception that they need in order to create momentum for those edge plays and you know you've got Jacob Arthur in there setting up on a on a 30 line or on a you know uh, on a train and just running a double block and they do it over and over and over again they give Gutherson the ball at the back of it and the defence just slides off and comes up and pressures him they're they're far better when Reed Mahoney is the focal point of their attack or Moses and Gutherson are playing straight and direct. And, you know, Arthur isn't a... He's not a runner of the ball. He's a, he's a passer and, you know, he's been brought in to do a job with his kicking, which, I you know, I don't really think he's, you know, done a serviceable enough job with his kicking game. So... <coughs> they need to change the way they play when they don't have Moses in the team. Moses, obviously bails them out a lot with some really nice long kicks but the way that they're trying to generate momentum and territory and, and win a cycle it, it, it needs to change because the sides are cottoning onto it and they look like a one trick pony at the moment Paramount. and sides have now really gotten onto it Canberra gave them the, the blueprint um, and you need, you need to get a, run, a, a half in there that's going to run the ball and that's why I would have played Will Smith I would have you know maybe looked at Jordan Rankin but you know I certainly would have played Will Smith ahead of Arthur and Rankin if you know they're all fit and available because you know that he's, he's serviceable in that position he'll run he's got a lot of experience playing for good teams um, and he'll just let Dylan Brown do what he needs to do yeah. uh, they're, they're just they're really frustrating to watch for me at the moment Parramatta. I, I just couldn't tip them last week I don't care how many players the Roosters have out. I just know that they get, the Roosters will come with a plan A, plan B, and plan C. Well, and Parramatta really need to get that about them. You know, the other and thing... They need to do some things to unlock the, the the best attributes of their players. And at the moment, they're not doing that. The other thing, we've said this before, off the back of what they do, they shift for nothing. They will That's shift... They don't, well, they don't, they don't create momentum to shift anyway. No, but even when they do, like, they shift and they play sideways off a shift. Like, they don't play straight. They don't go long to short or people that play off the inside momentum get straight and make those inside guys that slide off accountable and put pressure on like a half or a winger or a centre when they shift even off momentum they shift to a sideline they play to a sideline it's all 
sideways. No halves engaged. No one digs in deep. No one runs like good, tough lines. They really, really have relied on offloads off like a Madison or a, a Papaliti after getting them stitched up on inside defenders and three or four guys. Like They don't do what other sides do. They don't do what Penrith do and they run good shape. All the Roosters or a Storm who can shift long off a dummy half, off a good run, get straight to an edge, but then play direct, which not only is the inside guys trying to scramble over to cover that ground, which you've made up by playing direct, but it puts those guys on the outside under pressure and makes them accountable. They start backpedaling. They get isolated. They, they just don't do a good job of that at all. So I, I don't know if it can be fixed, but I think, again, a lot is on their forward pack. And the week before, I didn't like the comment from Arthur to say, well, we still made about 2,000 metres and 20 offloads. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you didn't win. You can give me numbers, but same deal about offloads. Like, offload, were they quality offloads? Were they in good positions? Did you make metres off the back of them? Like, you see some guys get three or four offloads a week, and Pongo Jr. is an example at times where he can have five or six on the stat sheet. If you actually watch them in a game, three or four of them are on the fucking floor or throwing at his ass, or someone's caught it a couple of metres behind him and they don't get back to even the same spot to make metres off the offload. Uh, you can give me numbers, but what did you do with those numbers? If you dominated, yeah. Also, yeah how did they? Yeah, if you completed eighty percent plus two thousand meters, twenty offloads, and you lost, clearly you weren't that effective. Yeah. The numbers don't mean shit if you don't get a result. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll be able to turn it around. Moses is certainly helping the kicking side of things, but in terms of, like we said, being able to generate momentum and then how they use their edges. Um, and we spoke about it over the year, that they, they didn't have a lot of strike on their edges, in all honesty, but at least when they had Opacek and Neokoro there, it sort of tightened them up a little bit in that sense. And stopping them is as good as scoring. I still don't think it was a recipe to win a competition, but compared to Wanga Blake's reintroduction um, and what they've done since, Opacek, obviously, heart goes out to him. Real tough situation with the passing of his brother. He's only played again the last week or two in the bubble situation. I can't even imagine where he's had that, but he's been pretty good for the most part of the year. Um, a lot was also made of the spray the other night from Gutherson to him. I don't read a whole lot into that. There's plenty of things that happen, training, games. Like It's, it's picked up by a microphone, sure, but I thought that was overblown. Yeah, I, I don't have a massive, no. a massive issue with it. I, yeah, it's just It's not great when you're getting beaten and you're under the pump and all no, the. I don't think it's a good look. No, but but only, only deals internally be able to tell you whether it's you know had a positive or a negative impact. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was all just shoveled on top of the situation. I, I thought it was a bit blown out of proportion. But uh, if I'm an Eels fan, unfortunately, I'd be a little bit worried. Oh, mate, worried. I'm beyond worried. I. You know what? Yeah, I've got grave concerns. I've almost buried the season, to be fair. Because, I don't know, let's throw it out there. Newcastle, get healthy, full pack. Pierce, Ponga, best stays healthy, that left-hand side. If they play week one and they drop to fifth or sixth, like... Yeah, look, I, I still think Parramatta beat the majority of the teams. Oh, I'm with you, but I'm just saying, if they fell into there... Newcastle were able to stay healthy and get a bit of momentum going. It wouldn't be a walk over week one like it looked the last few weeks heading into it with some of those teams. No, no. You've got Braley, Ponga, Pierce, Safidi, Twins, Frizzell, like on their day, best back in the weekend, we've seen it. If they're healthy and good to go, if they could stay healthy, they would certainly pose a threat. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yep. 
You wouldn't get an argument out of me there. And I'm sure they would have been banking all year on getting two bites of the cherry, which is now severely under threat. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I'm not sure if... Are they all back this week or is anybody out? Campbell Gillard's out, so that's not good. They've got Moses named back in the side, which is obviously handy. Same centre pairing, same yeah. wing pairing. Uh, no other changes except he's obviously kept Will Smith on the bench near Corey's back this week, which is good. Um, that is good. Something's got to change. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, well, Parramatta fans, let's see how they go this week against South. South can come in and out of game, so if they can hold up defensively, um, South have certainly shown, like we said, that they're a yo-yo in terms of their commitment to a game. If they turn it into a bit of a grind, kick well and challenge them up the middle... The question is, can they score points against them? I know who my money will be on, my friend. Mm. Interesting game to watch, but we move on from that one. Tackle four. Uh, Very interesting last night, and some people have had the back and forth about this one. Similar deal. Uh, The Walker v. Chambers sledge. Fair game, not fair game, over the line. Uh, I guess for some people, they looked at it and thought, well, they're getting pumped. Why is he, you know talking so much and ramping things up. I had no problem with the hit. I thought the hit's outstanding. A little bit of chin's fair enough to try and inspire your team. They kind of did well not to get blown out severely early in the first half. The fact they went in 16-10, I thought was great. The context of his comments uh, for some people, obviously if they couldn't read or figure out, uh, was throwing a little bit of shade at him at his past and obviously that situation that had happened with Dylan Walker and his partner. Um, what do you reckon? It's, it's had some people backwards and forwards on it. I had no issue with it. I um, I loved it. I thought it was, yeah, part of the game. I, I mean, if there's a full crowd there or a, or a decent crowd there, you probably don't. It doesn't come through the mic. Or, you know, it's a better chance of not coming through the mic, I guess. But, yeah, I, I wasn't super offended by it like a lot of people on social media were. But, I mean, that's, that's social media, isn't it? You just... People just get offended and want to make judgment on comments that are that are made on the field that should stay on the field. I, you know, was it personal? Yeah, it was personal, but you know, shock horror. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news to everyone, but there's a lot of personal shit that gets spoken about on the field, and mm. you know, they're, they're big boys. They'll um, they can handle it, and you know, Walker would have given as good as he got. I would imagine. Uh, without you know being privy to everything that was said, but I thought it was great. I, I like it. It sparked a, a bit of you know, well, oh, you know, just an extra layer to the game. I'll, I'll put it out there. Much like when Curtis Scott punched him, I'm sure a lot of people weren't feeling too sorry for Dylan Walker. No. Well, the majority of people wouldn't be feeling but also, sorry. But also, like if, if Walker's not at Chambers, I'll, you know, I wouldn't be feeling. Sorry for Chambers either. No, in, in the context Chambers, of it... Chambers knows that, you know, when you poke the bear like he does, that sometimes there's going to be there's going to be days where you win and you, you feel good and there's going to be other days where you look like a complete goose, you know? like mm. Chambers has looked like a goose at times. Oh, 100%. And I think... He's not an angel. In the end, I thought uh, Hannah handled it quite well. It got to a point where the hit was really good. He's tried to spark something... It obviously didn't work. Then it almost spilt over a couple of times. He ended up just hooking him because I think he's just sitting there going, look, we're still in the running for the eight. I need him to keep his head. Rudolph obviously got 
binned and then he subbed him off as well. I think he just got to a point where he's like, we just got to cut our losses here. Too many blokes have lost their fucking mind. Um, I'm going to sub, I'm gonna, I'll sub a couple of them off and we'll just move on. And even after the game, Chambers still looked fairly heated when I saw the Fox cameras when blokes were going around shaking hands or wearing his mask. So um, part of it may be the result. Part of it may be frustration after the few weeks he's had. Obviously been locked up for COVID, down to Melbourne, back and forth, wondering if he was even going to get to play again. And then obviously the performance wasn't that great. But yeah, from the coaching side of things, he would have rather he maybe reel it back in a little bit after trying to put the shot on. But uh, yeah, given, given who it was, and I'm, I'm not saying this is the case always, but yeah, I don't think a lot of people were feeling too sorry for Dylan Walker. No, they weren't. So move on from that one. Tackle five before we move on is deadline. It's happened, it's gone, and now we've got a trade window for the rest of the year. There's already been players offered to the Warriors from multiple clubs. Um, I like the fact that Nathan Brown come out, though, and said, look, given our situation, the amount of injuries we've had moving into next year, all these kids and being over in the bubble, they're going to try and push through for the rest of the year with their guys because it's just invaluable development. And At this point, it'd be a waste of time to take players unless they can't field a squad. And I, I think the proof was in the pudding the other night. You've seen Vallejo play his first game. Otakolo got some more minutes. The young guy who literally has gone from SG ball to a year after now being a first grader. They had Aitken moving to the back row to accompany a little bit what they were doing. Um, I have no problem with that at all. But as far as deadlines, there was lots of talk about a lot of movement. Not a whole lot happened in the end. We obviously had Pengai Jr. You had Copley go to the Roosters given their circumstance and there was talk about a few other players, but uh, not much at all, to be honest. No. a little bit more of the deadline you know like you see in the NBA NFL there's a lot of a lot of movement but uh, no we didn't get it did we really nah. like the Roosters need an OB they got it outside that it was uh, most of the uh, the damage had been done hadn't it in the weeks previous in terms of player movement and the deadline but I like it being this late I think it's it's good it makes teams more competitive I know a lot of people aren't happy that there's you know that element of guns for hire but I guess that just is what it is with, it, with the situation in regards to contracts and clubs willing to let players go and, yeah. you know, working in the cap. I think that says more about how clubs are maturing and their strategies are changing in regards to working the cap over and trying to pinch money and save money for next year and in order to, you know, not only free up more room for potential signings in the future, but also just ensure that you've got you know, the space there if you can attract someone, you know, for the upcoming season. Mm. Particularly when you know that you're not going to use a player or, you know, they're not in they're not in your plans or you've got a new coach or whatever the whatever the fact may be. Yeah, and a lot of that was actually what come in the Warriors and part of letting Roger go. Um, they got money back to push into next year. Which also helps well, out in a couple of the moves that they've made as far as front loading some contracts and making that big move to go after Manu. So everything had a plan, much like Brisbane. They got a lot of bad deals. They're just pushing money out, pushing money forward, doing everything they can. Anything that benefits them, obviously, for the future to keep making moves. Um, you've seen Penrith on the flip of that, like we talked about. They had an option to move a couple hundred thousand forward with all the players they've got off contract or push all in now, which is probably the way to go. Um, everyone handles it differently. 
Uh, we'll probably see a couple of trades though. I think the Roosters, while they got Copley, now an injury to Morris, depending on what sort of length that injury is and what's happening moving forward, they're probably going to need another outside back. They've only just covered it with Copley um, and now Morris missing, they're going to need somebody straight away, essentially. So uh, another difficult situation for them. It's been a horror run in that regard. And the Warriors, similar deal. I think they were speaking that in particular, Anthony Griffin and Ricky Stewart had been on the phone as two clubs that were very happy to help out the Warriors, given what they've done, and having a couple of available guys if they do run out of players. So we'll have to uh, keep our eyes peeled on that one. But tackle six to finish us off. Just some other signing news and bits and pieces to clean up. Pappenhausen, following the Bellamy signing, surprise, surprise, finally signs his extension. Three years on top of the year, he already had to go. And I I don't know if the head knock had part to do with it. Uh, The rise of Nico Hines, that whole situation... Whatnot, but originally when he started the year red hot, as we know, they were talking million dollar offers from other clubs, Melbourne potentially having to pay minimum 800, 850. But the talk was they got the three year deal done for around 2 million. So you're talking high sixes, which realistically, uh, if he finds his form again after the head knock and gets back to where they think he can, he's still only 22 years old at the moment. That's that's pretty good value. It's an absolute bargain, I think, based on you know what he can do. He's won a, you know, Clive Churchill medal. You know, he's contributed to a premiership for the Storm. He's come in and been serviceable or more than serviceable replacement for for Billy Slater. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a no brainer. It's a really good deal. If it's six hundred, you know, maybe he's got some TPAs around that, and maybe not the the full six hundred is on the cap. But you also see the influence of Craig Bellamy, and that you know, would he rather take? You know, you know, a hundred thousand less than play under Bellamy. You know, he probably, he probably does. That's just the impact of being at a, um, you know, a club like the Melbourne Storm. So mm. they're extremely, not extremely lucky to have Craig Bellamy because they've, um, you know, they gave him his, his opportunity and they've worked really hard to build what they've got there. I don't think there's any luck involved with it but um, I think they're extremely fortunate to have him stay there for such a long period of time and he's just proven himself to be an outstanding builder of teams and an outstanding builder of a culture and a club mm. and I have no doubt again what they've proved without him there the injury as well he's also you know we know he's quite slight and you don't want to see him get a head knock again, but I think even that little bit of time off maybe would have changed the position of maybe a couple of clubs that were looking to throw a million dollars, 900000 in. There probably still would have been offers out there, but in the end, it's probably worked out in Melbourne's favour somewhat. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You're looking at Absolutely. the club, where it is, some of the young guys they've got, Bellamy staying, and he probably would have got still offers around 850, 900, 800, just gone well. Almost 700 here, potentially some extra third parties, potentially rep football and more premierships. I'm young, I'm better off staying. Exactly. And don't underestimate you know, the impact of the tight playing group there, um, winning. I, I think players, it's underestimated how much they like to play in Melbourne. You know, there's not that pressure and media exposure that they have in, in Sydney. I, like, I find Melbourne an extremely livable city and, and I enjoy living down there. I think 
I think if anything, it's not not just Craig Bellamy. It's not just the Melbourne Storm. I think it's also a very livable place. You don't have to live in the Sydney bubble or the Brisbane bubble with the constant media speculation. I, I just think there's a lot of things that that line up. And then you throw in, you know, the fact of you've got such a great team, a great coach, a great organisation. It just, you know, it, it's a no-brainer for, for Pappenhausen. Mm. And on top of that, another war between the big clubs, Cooper Cronk. Obviously, we didn't know where he was going when he was leaving Melbourne. It turned out to be the Roosters, which shocked a lot of people. They were never, ever sighted or seen coming in this situation, but they've made it very clear that they're interested in Brandon Smith after Melbourne obviously made it clear that now that Finucane's moved on and they've got some money and they've shuffled things a little bit, that he would be a priority. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but for the Roosters, they're fighting a battle on all fronts because... They've already upgraded a few people. They've had a couple move on. That money's already gone in other contracts. And now they've got Manu, who the Warriors have obviously approached through the front door to let them know, because O'Sullivan, out of respect, working for the club, that they're going to go after him. Angus Crichton only signed the one-year extension because I think they were working the money around Boyd Cordner and his situation, which is now sorted. Um, so they've got a lot of irons in the fire, the Bulldogs. Uh, sorry, not the Bulldogs, the Roosters. The Roosters, yeah. You, you, well, they've got a little bit of cap space, don't they? So You're trying to take Melbourne on... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Mm. Trying to take Melbourne on for Brandon Smith, while at the same time they've got to redo Walker's extension, which I think they did with the money escalating over years, which was a bit back-ended. You've got Manu, who's already on a decent wicket, who's going to get potentially offered a million dollars. You're going to have to get somewhere near the mark. Probably not up there, but you know, you're know you going to have to get close. Crichton's close to the best back row on the comp, still very, very young, and only took a one-year deal. Now cordon has gone. They've got some decisions to make of their own. So... I think that's, that's a bit of a balancing act. If you're going to go for Brandon Smith, then you're going to try and re-sign a couple of those guys with what you've already got. Yeah. So, interesting to nice see. situation to be in. Mm. Uh, and Milford's situation, finally. Sorted. He was talking to the Titans. He was talking to South South. And Demetrio apparently basically put it to him that, forget money, just let us know what you want to do with your rugby league. Where do you want to be? If you're just looking for another contract, we're not the place for you. If you actually want to try and become the player you once were. Talk to us, we'll figure something out, and you know we'll, we'll go from there. And it's turned out that way, and he's heading to South Sydney for next year. Yeah, I don't love it. Like, I would have preferred him to keep Reynolds, but I don't mind it from the perspective that uh, Milford's got a lot of upside, particularly if they've got him at the right price. I don't mind the gamble now that they've lost Reynolds, plus you're throwing that couple of good halves at the young halves that they've already got, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it's got the potential to, to be a really, really good deal in that, you know, he could obviously play far well above the price that he's probably signed at South. And, you know, what if he, if he continues to play the way that he is now and, you know, not setting the world on fire and that we've seen the best of him, it's not going to hurt him too much on the cap. So I think... For South, there's a lot of risk, not a lot of reward. Uh, sorry, a lot of reward in this, not a lot of risk, really. Yeah, and I uh, think... And, you know, Brisbane really needed to move him on, so I think it's it's good business from Brisbane's perspective. They, again, pinch a little coin, so play on. Yeah, well, he was a million on their cap. I think South is going to be like yeah, two, crazy, two, hey? 250, which is nothing, really, for a backup half of that potential quality. Yeah. He's still 26, 27. It's a completely different club to where Brisbane's been. He won't no longer be the focal point. Brisbane, you talk about similar to Melbourne, it's the complete opposite. It was all about Milford. 
he signed that contract after that grand final. It was all about Anthony Milford. Now he gets to come to a club that's doing well. It's interesting to see if, you know, if he's going to play Walker. They're not traditionally too, you know, neither of them have that organising element in their game. So I guess they're either going to have to learn how to coexist and do a little bit of themselves or someone's going to have to mature into that role. Like, Milford reminds me a lot of, you know, there's similarities between his career and Benji Marshall's career. I, don't, I think Benji Marshall's career ever dipped as low as, you know, sort of where Milford is at the moment. But, you know, Milford has the potential to mature and change his game. I think he could he could move into that Benji-type build where he was brilliant and fast and young and speedy and agile and, you know, use that to his advantage when he was a younger player. But then as he got older, he matured and added those little elements to his game. So there's players that have been sort of where Milford you know, was in terms of his dominance that have then matured and, I guess, been able to stay relevant in first grade just by adapting. So it would just be interesting to see whether he can get that done. Mm. I think there's plenty left um, in him. Still young enough. I think he could lose a couple of kilos, get a bit fitter. New environment, like I said, less pressure, better players around him. I think it all bodes well. And if he can't make it happen there, well, clearly that's the end. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be Super League or it'll be... And I think, yeah, like you said, it. for South, it's the perfect situation because they've chose to move on for Reynolds. Um, they've sat there and looked at it and thought, we've got Ilias, we've got Taff, we've got Hawkins, so we've got younger options. We've still got Cody, we've still got Cook. We like what we've got there. They like Mamazoulos, the other backup nine. And now they get Milford on a free roll of the dice. Now he's not Reynolds. Do they have to adjust their style of play, the connection that they've got, the kicking game? Yeah, there's definitely some elements. I think if this was five, six years ago, still in the wrestle era, the slower era where you needed your forwards, you needed dominance, I don't think they ever would have let Reynolds go. I think the, the way the rules have gone, I don't think they're underestimating his importance, but I think in the way that things are heading... Letting obviously they weren't planning on the Milford side of things. They're probably looking at Lachlan Elias, who is a bit more of an organizer and a kicker, and thinking of salary cap and the other moves they've had to make. But I, I just think they've they've given themselves a few options here. They might go with Elias. They might start off with a Milford. Milford might end up being a fourteen in the new rules, which is again not a bad role for him. And then I still don't think Benji stays out of the out of the equation yet either. Yeah, they've got all these guys. They've got all these guys at the moment, plus Benji. So with Reynolds going, Milford coming in, they could still keep Benji. Similar amount of yeah. money. You've got two options there to play with Walker. You've got time to develop those other guys. You'd hope that Cup's up and running, which is probably the biggest thing at the moment for a lot of clubs. It's hard to develop these guys without consistent flag New South Wales Cup and NRL opportunities. But, uh, yeah, interesting move, and we'll see how that one plays out. And. That's about all we've got there. So that wraps up the set of six. Jump in now to the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing you and the residents of Western Sydney with the highest quality solar experience. When it comes to tackling your bills, let them get you over the try line, save you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today, 1800 20 30 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. Number one box head, still the Melbourne Storm. Easily. Number two, I've still got the Panthers just because of the uh, injuries and the run. South at three. Yeah. Uh, Manly at four. 
Well, I've got the Roosters at five. I think if they played tomorrow, I'd, I'd still back Manly, but it'd be a good game. Yeah. Uh, Eels all the way down to six. Manly. Yeah, I've got Manly at five, Eels at six. Yep. Number seven, who you got? Titans. Well, I've got the Knights, and I've got the Titans at eight. Keep themselves yeah, really there. Keep themselves there and just hope that other results sort of slide away because they they then run into South and Melbourne, which are going to be you know two extremely difficult games to win. Uh, and you know that could see them fall back to the pack, and then they run into Newcastle in the second last round, uh, and then the Warriors last round. So there's there's definitely two really should win games there for the Titans in the Warriors and the Cowboys and then you got the Knights who, you know, that may be the game that decides yeah. the position in the eight. And then you got two games there which are going to be significantly difficult. So this is, you know, another ruling game for the Gold Coast this weekend and uh, you know, like we say with um I think Canberra Canberra uh, and Canberra and the Dragons this weekend, that's going to be, you know, that's almost do or die for, for the Dragons. And, you know, if Canberra dropped that one, it's to be a kick in the feet for them. Yeah, they've got Manly, they've got the Storm. It's Roosters last round. <coughs> I, I essentially think, again, that the weekend was a big game for them and they're really relying on other, others around them to start losing now. Because while they're in that log jam, that run home's not easy. So and, and and Newcastle without Pierce, massive confidence booster, good win, get him back in, Ponga, best, good forward pack, um, and they've got a chance to knock off two direct rivals that are equal to them right now, Sharks, Titans in for and against. The only difference, so uh, um, I think things are looking pretty pretty handy on their side. I think so. So the, the, to finish in the top eight market, Cronulla a dollar seventy five, Newcastle two dollars and five, the Gold Coast two dollars fifteen. And the Canberra Raiders two dollars seventy thanks to Bluebet. Well, wow. I'd be whacking my money on Newcastle. Eight dollars and the rest, no chance. But uh, yeah, this is do or die now for the for the Raiders this weekend. They've just dropped a game that most expected them to win. They're gonna they're gonna nail this one, don't they? Mm. Like I said, if you're gonna give me anything to bet there with Bluebet.com.au, I'd be throwing the money on Newcastle. Yeah. There oh. you go. There you go. Jumping the reviews of the games from the weekend. Roosters 28-0 over the Parramatta Eels. And like I said, early on... Oh, a little bit, but like it was an absolute error fest early on, both sides. But in particular, the Roosters couldn't have handed any more opportunities inside 20. They did absolutely nothing with it. Um, it was great to watch Jared in his 250th and what a career it's been. Bloke just personally violated Nathan Brown made it his business to go after him. He went after Jacob Arthur, who didn't know who, who hit him a few times when he had the ball. Um, and then just like we said about the Roosters, just the way they've changed, the way they've adapted, guys getting up to scratch, just slight adjustments. You know, Walker come in, tried to carry the load. 
they've slowly made adjustments around him. Being the younger guy, they've taken the kicking off him. Hutchison's doing a very, very underrated job controlling things and kicking. Tedesco playing on the ball, playing those short sides and being another focal point. Letting Manu push off the wing. Essentially play as a second fullback, pick and choose where he wants to be. Their two-edge back rowers, like we've talked about last week, are great. Satili, Crichton, um, and then, like, again, lose Morris. They just they cover up for it. Kieran comes in. He hit the posts, yes, I know, but in general, his goal kicking is a lot more sound than the others. Good catch pass for one of the trials of Hutchison. He did his job. Um, oh yeah, I, I don't know anything else you'd want to say, but they really, really turned things on when they got going. They pulled apart the left-hand side. They bashed Sivo. They really made them uncomfortable. They pressured their halves. There wasn't a whole lot of positive. I thought a couple of their forwards still had big games power, but they got nothing out of their spine, realistically. I think Brown had one or two good moments because he's one of the only guys that's willing to run the football in the halves position there. But, yeah, big question marks over power. Big time. Red Pantrill for me. The Roosters, outstanding. Just keep finding a way to win, irrespective of who's available. Time. Venue, opposition, doesn't matter. They, um, they've significantly overachieved this year, I think, the, uh, the Sydney Roosters. And, you know, Parramatta are looking at that uh, the other side of the sword where they're looking at, again, probably going to significantly underachieve if they, you know, this trend continues and they keep sliding away like they seem to do at this time of the year every year. Big news for the Roosters. where Hargreaves beat his charge at the judiciary. He's free to play the Panthers this week. Did he beat the charge? He beat the charge. <laughs> yeah. So, big in for him and the Roosters, given their situation. Uh, like we said, Campbell Gillard will be missing this week for them. That's not great. Uh, yeah, certainly need to bring something else to their attack. They're playing a south side who can score points in bunches, but can also concede in bunches. So, if they can clean up their attack a little bit, might turn into a bit of a shootout. But... Uh, like you said, if uh, you making me put a bet on someone, I'd be definitely taking South Sydney at this point, Tom. Yeah. But moving on from that one, Tigers Warriors. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we've had so many Tigers powwows, and a lot of people have said such good insight, this, that, and the other. But I can't keep doing it. So all I'm going to say is, you're coming up against a team that's lost essentially almost the starting thirteen. Their heart and soul just went back home. No Harris, Fanua Blake, etc. All these guys. Another debutante, a 19-year-old hooker. Valet's playing. Hiku has basically not played all year. Goes into the halves with O'Sullivan. Aiken ends up playing in the back row. How much more could you want there? Plus the run home. They've got the Bulldogs twice. You've got a Wounded Warriors. It's a pretty good opportunity. I don't know, as we've said before, the team, the club, like what the fuck leads them to do what they did, but... Like first half, they couldn't have had any more possession opportunity. They only scored 10 points. Second half, they come out. The short dropout, Bunty Afoa, crash over, zero direction, sideline to sideline, wouldn't engage, and then the ending just pretty much sums everything up about the Tigers. Two 40-metre field goals with absolutely zero planning. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it, was, it was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And... It sums up where the Tigers are. and The Tigers are in a position where they have players who think they know what Michael Maguire is going to tell them. They think they know what he's buying. Sorry, they, 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 I think they think they know what he's selling. But they're not buying it. They're not buying into it. Well, that... The performances are, are inept. They, 
they can't stick in for, you know, 10, 15-minute periods in games, let alone, you know, I guess produce 80-minute performances. They're, they're a losing club. They're, they're a losing playing group. You can heap as much of this on Matt McGuire as you want, and look, in the end, he's going to be judged based on his results. And his results, at this point in time, are not good enough. Sweet. Can cop that. But this playing group, there was a scene actually in the... Um, in the Wild West, the, the documentary where he was addressing the team at half time and he he asked the players to look at him and there was a few players who didn't, didn't look up, they just kept doing what they were doing and I, I think the Tigers, a lot of the players within that Tigers team think they know what winning looks like I think they, they think they're winners but they're not and their on-field performances tell you everything you need to know about that and until they can identify the things within their culture and within their performances and within their play that are causing them to lose games, they're, they're going to keep rolling around in this fishbowl that they're in at the moment, eating themselves alive. And the, the performance on the weekend almost summed up a decade for Tigers fans. Well, that's just it. Like, how many times are you going to sack a coach? And, you know, the players might get what they want, but I essentially think, and we've said this a million times, people that sign there or go there are essentially just happy to be playing first grade. Yeah. Which is the sad state of affairs that they've obviously got to. And probably the one bright spark, and it's why it hurts them, I think, is regardless of what you think of the signings that Ivan made, that year they showed some attitude, they showed some grit. They had one or two losses and they just missed out on the eight. But once he jumped off... You know, they were his players, and we've said this before. Some players that have a certain value or appeal to a certain coach don't fit another coach. And the guys that he signed that went there for Ivan were obviously probably disappointed. I'm pretty sure at the time there were stories that one or two of them in particular were filthy with Ivan. Um, but, you know, they, they're guys that don't suit Pasco, uh, don't suit Maguire. And, again, people still point to that side of things, making that second point. We've talked about it before. They've re-signed or signed 18-plus or more and flipped over 80% of that roster by one or two players. So it's at a point where it's not just on Maguire, it's the club, it's everything about the joint like we spoke about. And it's been summed up the last few weeks. They're in for Pungai, they're in for Finucane, they're off Finucane, they're in for Pungai. They tried to call Finucane last minute. You know, you got Madge who's doing the groundwork, talking to these guys who's also waiting for approval from the board, the GM of football and all these people. They were in for the Vaughan side of things. They ended up, by the time they called him, he'd already signed the deal. Like, it's a fucking embarrassment. <laughs> so, you, you just, you're hearing these stories about that and, like, make your mind up. Like, you don't even know what direction you're going. And if you're him, how frustrated are you? If you're trying to go to the board or go to the gym or go to these people and make moves or get things to happen, that you just can't. And, like, the easy way out, yeah, they, the players might be like, if we get rid of him, we'll get somebody else. And, again, we just keep chugging along but who do they churn out next do they go the player of alright we've moved on from the last three or four that we've fired and we hire a Cameron Serrato who's the next sort of bloke that's been talked about like that's a death sentence for a first job surely you would think so and then on the flip side of it I brought it up to you the other week and there's already been rumours around after now with the way that Parramatta's going and consistently top four but can't take the extra step that Wayne Bennett was mentioned and I mentioned it to you I, I think the big fish that's out there with a proven track record, regardless of what you think of him, what he did at Par- uh, the Sharks, given the circumstances, was Shane Flanagan. And if I'm Shane Flanagan, I know he's probably itching 
to be a coach. He's got clearance to be a coach, but I'm not taking that fucking job. Because if I'm Shane Flanagan, I'm looking around, the top eight looks pretty settled. You know that Melbourne, South Sydney's got Demetrio, Robinson's not going anywhere, Des is not going anywhere. There's been a huge turnover this year. So many one-year coaches. None of those guys are going probably in the next 12 months unless something drastic happens. There's not a whole lot of availabilities that are coming. The only job I'm really looking at right now that's a good job, besides the Tigers one, who's probably the only one that's going to be available, I'm looking at Parramatta, and I'm waiting. Because people mentioned Wayne Bennett. I don't think Wayne Bennett's going to go there. He would take the job, mind you, if they fired him instantly, I guarantee, and, and they made him that offer. He probably would. But if all the jobs that are out there and all the moves I think will happen in the next 12 months, the most likely two jobs to become available, Tigers are definitely number one. The next one for me would be Parramatta if things don't work out. So I, I don't know what again, the option... Yeah, again, it's just it's hard to argue. It's not like if Parramatta, though get on a bit of a run at the end of this year which I you know we both would think well, I like Brad Arthur I really do and I think it would be harsh for, for yeah, top so four performances but also at some point if you go years and years and years and you just can't kind of get out of that part like you should be happy with being successful but the club's eventually going to get to a point where they're like well fuck we need to try to win yeah. so that's going to come in the form of a veteran whether that be a plea for Wayne Bennett or going rolling the dice with a guy who won a comp at Cronulla with you know, having to fucking build the gym on his own and fundraise it and do the junior pathway and all the things that he did there. Like, he, he'll go into a place that has a lot of the infrastructure he didn't have at Cronulla. Um, but, like, I look at the Tigers and think that probably the best two candidates, if you're going for the veteran again, or if you're going for a young guy, the, the best veteran coach that's available and another premiership winner, if I'm him, I don't want that job. And if I'm Cameron Serraldo, like, as much as he's probably keen, he's re-signed with Penner. If he had the option to go to Cronulla... He's young. I just wouldn't do that to myself. I wouldn't go there. Yeah. So I don't know who who would coach them if they flick Maguire. And they haven't even got Sheens back yet. And Sheens is another one we're talking about coming back, working with him, helping with recruitment, knows the club, good with juniors, will bring probably the possibility of some English knowledge like Canberra and maybe try to get a few more guys over. Like they've brought Gil Dart and they've got Hastings coming back. But like that, that came out this week that he's already making moves. So clearly he's in agreement that the roster's not good enough. He's messaged all the player agents saying, who have you got? Who's available? Who's off contract? Who's possible to be moving? So if I'm the Tigers, you've got to sit on your hands here and let Sheens come back and work, talk with Madge and kind of get an idea before you make any rash decisions because at the end of the day, like we said, you can point the finger at him as much as you want, but it's been the coach every single time and nothing's fucking changed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Find it very hard to argue with that. Warriors, though, we should have speak more about full praise because two years away, all the injuries, they've moved away from their home, away from home. They've been struck down. To, like we said, the guys playing in the positions they did, the couple of kids they played, everything's against the Warriors and they've got every reason just to roll over and get towed up for the last four or five weeks with the potential that we talked about, which is why Roger left, to not even be able to go home because if they're still locked out, they're going to be stuck in Australia still. Yeah. So for, for all, were, yeah, that's you know one of the biggest wins that the Warriors have had in you know an extremely long time, an extremely long time. So good on it. It says a lot about you know, like you said before, when we we're talking about having to get players in. Well, you know, if they they come out, they dish up absolute junk on the weekend, then. You're probably thinking, well, we need it. We we do. We need to go and sign some players, and you know, try and patch up some holes here to make sure that 
you know, the damage isn't too significant. But, you know, with a performance like that, um, you know, Nathan Brown's got every right to just say, well, no, I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with these blokes. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really, really positive performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I just think for him, what's there to gain by loaning people in? Like, they've made a lot of moves for next year. They're in a good roster position. They've got money forwarded, ready to make other moves. They've got a bunch of young kids that have been already over here playing cup, haven't played ball, flag, etc. There's no point loaning players in. Like, they're just going to roll with what they've got. You'll see Vallejo, you'll see Otacolo, Tevita Harris will be back next year, Johnson will be on board, Harris will be back at some stage, Walsh will be better for a full off-season at the back there. Like, you know, Egan will be back. There'll be heaps of players back on board. And again, we know that they're front-loading, they're paying up, they're looking at Manu, they're looking at other players. So they're not done yet. Yeah, no, they, they look to be in a, a pretty good position, the, the Warriors. Mm. Um, Moving on from that one, Broncos-Cowboys. Uh, I think for the Broncos, a real positive in the fact that I think this is one of their better 80-minute performances, especially defensively. They did a really, really good job. They kicked well. Gamble, big reason why that. Like he seems to have grown a lot more confidence in taking that role and steering things a little bit more, which is taking some pressure off Croft. You got New at the back, who again just knows his role, doesn't try to overplay his hand. Good returning. They've been more solid with Zarko on the wing, just doing his job there. Um, and then I think really underrated performance on the weekend. Like Haas is just a freak every single week. But Keenan Palacio getting moved in the front row, punched out. You know, sixty-one minutes, almost two hundred meters. He was really, really good in tandem there and um, Ricky like we talked about you get young guys at times confidence varies up and down but I think for him the biggest thing it's one thing to run a drink water who's horrendous defensively make a couple of line breaks and get a bit of swag back essentially and set up a couple of tries but he made 46 tackles he didn't miss one which is for him one of these typical athletic powerful young guys you look at and just go man in attack he can do anything he can outrun a half. He can get around the centre. He can run over the top of you. He can cut back inside. He's got a left foot, a right foot, a fend and an offload. But defensively at times, some of these guys aren't as smart on the edges, decision-making-wise, technique-wise. But I think the biggest thing for him, get, got some confidence with those runs, but then defended outstanding for the whole game. Yeah. Really, really hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well. For the Cowboys, I guess six of eight after a rough start, then lose seven in a row. They've had a horrendous injury toll, like I said before. They've had the second most long-term injuries. It's been hard. They've blood a lot of kids. There's been some green shoots there. I know it's probably hard to take in. I guess the biggest disappointment for them is off the back of that Melbourne performance. And Peyton said as much last week. I'm not discrediting it, but that's the standard we need to get to every week. I mean, we'll win games. They didn't follow up with it. Um, and any time, a couple of unlucky calls. I thought. I thought every time they sort of seemed to try and get their way back into the game, they shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, well, score on the back of it. Like Molo dropping yeah, it off the kickoff. I can see thirty-seven points and, and win a game. So no, nah, like yeah. Molo drops the kickoff when they got that other try. Like just moments like that. You're right. Um, yeah. And then it's come out. They said that the felt thing. Should have been a try, which is all well and good. And again, I think they were building some momentum. That definitely would have brought things close. They would have been within six. But the reaction off the back of that and, yeah, things that happened during the game, even Peyton said that, like, we can't blame that. We didn't deserve it. We had plenty of other opportunities or moments. So uh, good signs, like I said, from the Brisbane side of things. You're at least seeing a bit of fight. 
Stags now out for the rest of the season, I think. I heard and had a few moments there where he showed his X factor when he's back in the team, but apparently a bit of a knee issue, so they're just going to play it safe, which is smart. Um, and then I think just some small moves. Like I said, Palacio doing a job. you got guys like Bullimore getting a little bit more minute-wise. Azarko back to the wing, New getting that opportunity at the back, Gamble getting his opportunity. And then just a guy like Hetherington. Like Hetherington, since he's been in there, just brings a bit of attitude, which they've been lacking. He does, yeah. That's very true. Um, they just look to be playing a lot straighter, the Broncos. Yeah, they're playing through, kicking well, obviously completing better, but they look to have just really simplified their game, which is yeah, you know, just really what they needed to do. Especially with young kids and ample turnover. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing as well... Uh, for them, 19 misses, so probably one of their better efforts. Also, probably a reflection of Cowboys' attack, but still, like I said, a lot of confidence out of defending well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Exactly, yeah. 18 points is, is, you know, right where you want to be if you're a Broncos fan. Yeah, and, like, for the Cowboys... Kelly would be sort of going, well, yeah, like, I can cop 18, any more than 18, and we're not going to win a lot of games. And that's, yeah, just, I guess, where they are as an organisation. And and for the Cowboys, again, like, there's moments from different players, and you've got a lot of these young guys getting a lot of time because of the injuries they've got and a bit of the reshuffle, but... Like, yeah, for Drinkwater, I know he doesn't want to be a fullback, but if he's going to stay in the front line, for as much as we said he offers in attack, he's got to defend better. You can't miss seven tackles every week and just let someone walk past you. Yeah, 100%. If you're going to offer that spark, and we see it with his running, his short kicking inside 20 in particular, he's got a great connection there. Setting up tries, you set up to a lungy. A lot of times you threw the ripper cutout pass for Felt. So much good, but defensively, it's just more an attitude thing. You, you can't want to do all the flash stuff, but then not want to jump in front when somebody like Rick, Ricky comes at you. You've got to just hop on and hold on for dear life. Yeah, you got to get your body in front and, yeah, like, like you said, show more um, defensive fortitude. Mm. So I, I think for them, like you said, it's been a, a rough year. It's been up and down. Lots of injuries post-origin as well. And then Holmes and Hamiso's appendicitis. And I said it before, look at those numbers that the NRL physio put out. And he does some great stuff like I didn't really think they had that many, but they've had 12 that have been five-plus weeks as well. So they've been really bitten by the bug. Unbelievable, isn't it? So moving on from that one, uh, I think it might be a rough back end of the year. But if, I, if I'm Peyton, we've already spoken about this for a lot of teams, when you get in this position, if you've got anyone else left, you give Tommy Gilbert more time, Robson, you keep playing Dearden, knowing, you know, obviously, just working towards next year. If they've got any other kids, like Helium Lukey in his little stints has been good as well. You, you just keep running those guys. Yeah, yeah, same philosophy like we spoke about before. It's just with the Warriors. You, yeah. You know, you play the guys that you're going to play and, and that's it. Mm. Well, Knights Raiders didn't pan out how we thought it would, but I think the most impressive thing here, I think Newcastle, 
met the challenge of their middles and then and not only matched it but won up them in all honesty. Yeah, you can't give up those points to start with. But, uh, you know, for the Raiders, I think that you're going to be able to get away with it. They, you know, they just got jumped and uh, Brabham Vest was, uh, you just gave Seb Chris an absolute bath. Um, and then from, from there, I thought it was a pretty, you know, a pretty even game. But, um, yeah, Newcastle just just jumped him, and that was that was the end of it. Yeah, and I think there, there might have been a few calls in that one that Canberra weren't happy with as well. And I thought there was one or two, but similar guy. You start that poorly, they'll match in the middle, and we talk about adjustments in that Parramatta thing. When they were matched in the middle, the Newcastle did such a good job. In particular, we talked about their back three and what they've done the last few weeks. They did an excellent job on the back three. They just loaded up, yeah, turned yeah, them yeah, around, yeah. but up to the 60, 70th minute when, you know, Canberra was still trying to find their way back in. I'm like, they did not change tact at all. They were still just running one out off the dummy half, playing into the thick of Newcastle who were just waiting to chew it up and turn them around and put that pressure on them. And I thought, you know, maybe a shift here or something. And probably the most disappointing thing. I know, I know it's been a hard year in general and we said it before, you know, like Jack Whiten, I, I think he really needs a, just an off-season. Yeah, he looks... Fatigued and tired, and he just hasn't played well. And I know there's, it's been a weird year, and there was expectation, and everyone coming back together. But like, yeah, yeah lose George Williams as well. Like that's you know been a fairly you know significant loss for him because it unlocked you know it was just that that player that um, gave Jack that ability to just relax and play you know that running style game where, you know, now he's sort of having to do a little bit of the organisation and uh, it's, yeah, become a, you know, put more pressure on, I guess, yeah, like his his need to organise and and do all those things that, you know, he probably doesn't feel that comfortable doing. Yeah, no, I just just think, yeah, he, he... He had no impact. He had that one play at the back end where he played a little bit free, and I'm like, "Where's that been?" Like, just they needed him to try and inject himself in a different way, um, yeah. and it just felt like they couldn't get a roll on. They were trying the same thing to power game. They were well matched in that, you know. They were kicking yeah. and just playing and hoping. And Newcastle, on the other hand, not only matched them in the middle, probably one up them, did a good job through there, and then with Ponga back in and Best on that left hand side. Playing off that momentum, they generated their middle. They were able to shift left, like you were talking about, and really go after. Uh, you know, Sammy Williams, Seb Chris, Smith Shields, and, and they caught those guys multiple times. And Best is just a freak. Um, some of the tries he set up for Twyla, he got two that were absolute gifts, where he literally just passed it to him and he walked two steps and put the ball down. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's a bit of a man troll, isn't he, old Robin? Just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. But. I guess like we said before for Newcastle that is the whole key like they're four and the other big thing out of this this week forward pack has been doing such a good job but the back end have been making eight, nine, ten errors they only made two or three on the weekend they matched their forward pack in terms of helping out yardage and delivering off the back of the platform they delivered um, and it showed in spades the, the Safis again Barnett all those guys etc were great Ponga was able to play off the back of it helped the halves out Braley outstanding as he's been all year and then getting the benefit there of having that platform to play that left-hand side and have a strike weapon like Best back in. Yeah. So add Pierce to the mix and they might be able to go on a bit of a run. Yeah. Yeah, well, 
I don't give them a show in that game without without Pierce and you know I got it wrong. They they were great. Mm. Oh, so did I. And I think on the other side, Rapana's effort and energy's been absolutely outstanding. But he, he looked like he'd gone twelve rounds by the end of that. He was busted and bleeding and cut that back head. But uh, you know there were some moments from some of the forwards. The Pine Papali had a couple of moments, but overall, I just thought they were outpointed, outmatched, and they didn't have an answer when they couldn't win the middle. Yeah. So for Canberra uh, on life support, a rough run, but a must win this week against the Dragons. Uh, Storm Panthers 37-10 I don't really know what to say I, I found this weird I wasn't going to take a whole lot away from it with the players they were missing I was more looking at Penrith to see again without those guys a bit like Origin who's stepping up who's doing a job who's playing well and I think it more hit on the point that I made before that when I watched it and just watched the way they played just more so the importance of Nathan for so many other people around him yeah. like Jerome is not a 7 Jerome's a six, and Jerome gets to do what Jerome wants to do off the back of having somebody like Nathan and even watching Burton. Like, I think Burton is going to be a good half, but again, at this point in time, um, he's definitely not a Nathan. I still think he's more going to be a similar deal, a ball-running six, a guy who picks and chooses his moments and can ball play a little bit, but I think it just highlighted so many things for me, and obviously Coruscant with their middles, etc. but even Edwards. Edwards is a benefactor when that spine's flowing, and Nathan's there. Um, yeah, there's so many guys that benefit from Nathan. Well, the whole, you know, when you look at the way that they play, he's the linchpin. He's the absolute linchpin. He, he runs everything they do. You know, he's a middle service player. He does their kicking and he gives them confidence. And, you know, without him there, they're, they're almost rudderless, Penrith, but. You then throw in, you know, Fisher Harris, Yo, Coruscant, um, to all these all these guys, and you take the top five or six out of any team, they're going to struggle to compete with with the Storm. Um, but yeah, you're essentially like you said, you're playing with two five eights. You got Jerome there, who you know he's got a little bit of seven in him, but he, that's not his go. Uh, and you got Burton there, who's certainly not in you know, anywhere near a seven. So you've got Edwards there, who's more of a runner. So you, you then. You know, and Mitch Kenny, you know, Mitch Kenny's he's okay, like he's, he's a good service nine, but he doesn't have a great kicking game and he can be spotted in defence. You know, when you when you start to have to, you know, replace two spine players, you know, and you Isaiah Yo essentially plays a spine player as well, it yeah, it really thins you out and the guys that come in are just not able to um, you know, give what the players that have gone out can be a team. So, but I think it places you at a significant disadvantage. This is the point I was making before, though, when people were saying, "Well, you know, Melbourne or a couple of these other teams haven't had injuries." I'm like, "Well, include Origin, Grant, Pappenhaus, and that like they have." But I think, as far as their spine makeup, they don't rely on Hughes, Munster, any of those guys any more so than one another like maybe they're more important in different values but I just think Nathan for them in particular is the whole key to their attack all those other guys are super important like Arpy ridiculously important for manipulating their arc getting forward momentum playing everything but for Blue Eye to do what he wants to do you do need Yo and you do need Nathan and you need that guy to dominate control thing kick like there's all different cogs to it but I just think this this period in particular, if anything, is just highlighted 
more than ever how important Nathan is to the Penrith Panthers. Exactly. Like, we've, like I said, we've seen Munster not play. We've seen no Pappenhausen. We've seen Cheese, Harry Grant rotate and miss, and they've just rolled on. But for Penrith in particular, it is a rip aside. They're still loaded with origin players. And like we said, even missing the guys they were missing on the weekend, you still had Martin, Capewell, Kikau, Crichton, Edwards, etc. Like I said, there's still plenty of quality players there, but I just think it really highlights that for everything to go well, for everything to be at its best point, for them to play their best football, Nathan is the biggest piece of that puzzle. Yep. Spot on, my friend. Um, I, I firmly believe they can't win it without him. Mm, and I'm 100% of Grants because, again, I know put all those other pieces in and give Burton and Luai a game, I think they would have been better. But I still don't yeah. look at that and go, well, okay, put Yo, Fish, Arpy, etc. everyone in. I don't look at them with Edwards and go, okay, they can beat Melbourne. And another thing again, I saw a lot of people go, oh, Penrith fans in particular, go, oh, Jennings has been terrible. Like they've hooked him or whatever happened there. I, I didn't even realise. But yeah, he made three errors, but he at least had 10 carries, got 90 something metres. Charlie Staines, again, we talked about last week, four carries, 15 metres, three errors. Yeah. Like you want to bag out Jennings because he's not part of your regular setup and it's easy to pick on a guy that's supposedly a cup player. But. On the other side, the, the point we highlighted, uh, 15 metres isn't good enough. Four carries isn't good no. enough. No. And, so. uh, Tell you who I do like. I like Jermaine Hopgood. Yeah, tries hard. He's tough. He's a goer. And yeah. that, that was the main thing for me. I'm not taking anything really out of that because all those players were missing... I don't draw anything for Penrith fans. I still think they're the biggest threat, full strength to play Melbourne. I still think they're a really good chance to win the competition. But I was more looking at that game going, I want to see, again, of the fringe guys that are in, who's of some value. I really like Tago. I just don't know quite how they fit him on their bench when they're full strength. But I look at someone like Hopgood in terms of those middles they're working through. Sorensen's obviously showed some value, which is why they've kept him. But I'm just kind of looked there and thought, with who's moving on in the next year or so, Hopgood's definitely a guy I'd be keeping around. 100%, yep. Um, and yeah, like, kick out. He had some moments, but again, a couple of errors. Martin tried hard in the middle, um, but overall, it's just, it, it wasn't what we expected. We wanted a grand final rematch. Essentially, we got, again, a very understrength Penrith side, and I thought Melbourne early fired some shots, probably could have banked more points, and in the second half, they, they probably didn't try to go on with it as much. No, they didn't. They didn't. I, it just seemed like a waste of a game. Yeah. Me. Like, I think Melbourne are in a position where they want to be challenged. And Penrith are in a position where, you know, they, they know that they, they need these guys back. Um, and at the moment, they are struggling to compete. So, it's, yeah, it's difficult. It was just a really a waste of a game for both teams, I think. Yeah, it was disappointing because we've been looking forward to that one profusely. And. Obviously, Origins had a big effect on this, but yeah. Yeah. But leave that one behind. I'm really hoping Penrith obviously get all those guys right. back. Yeah, it was just, it was sad, eh? Like, it wasn't sad, but, no, but it's just really unfortunate that, you know, that that's the way that the game ended up. Yeah, I think it again. It just ended up being that. Yeah, it was just more for me. I looked at it more as a litmus thing for some of the Penrith guys. 
in that situation. Looking at some fringe guys, looking at some guys that are there without those players and how they played. And again, a few of those rep players were good, but some of the other guys, um, and then a few of the guys that were off the bench, I was just looking at it going, okay, there's a couple of guys there that can do a job. And then same deal, just highlighted to me the importance of a few guys in particular, Nathan. But for Melbourne, uh, Hughes was great as he's been all year. I think probably there's the, the still a really unsung hero and it's more just all the little things that people don't pick up on. I think Felice is so underrated. Yeah, he just he does a lot of a lot of good things. Um, runs good lines. Well, i tell you one thing. He's not everyone's cup of tea and he's not the cleanest player, but... No, yeah, any, any big game... Any big game for Melbourne or Queensland, you watch Felice Cafusi. And Felice Cafusi is belting the opposition half. He's running at the opposition half. He's hitting that back rower. He cleans up everything. He cleans up all the tackles. He does all the shit work. He does all the kick pressure. It's all the stuff you don't appreciate. And it's always in big games in particular, he comes to the fore. And him being suspended this week against Manly, to me, is a massive blow. Because I think he's massively underrated in what he does. But uh, Harry Grant, obviously, as well. Good to see him back. Pretty good in the second half there. Probed a fair bit. Poked his nose through a couple of times, etc. But yeah, I also didn't think they were at their best either. So, um, again, a, a game we would have rather see full strength, but we move on. South versus the Dragons, 50-14. to 14. Uh, I didn't get to see much of this because I was at work, but this just seems like a typical South Sydney performance this year. Jump out to a quick 12-0 lead. Blow it back to 12-10. Fire a couple more shots. Jump back out to a good lead in the second half and then uh, you know they, they went on with it a bit more than usual but it, it just seemed typical performance when they're hot they're hot when they're cold they're cold that about sums it up yeah what do you say Souths are just uh, they look like they're in a bit of a holding pattern don't they that they're just going to play not within themselves but you know they're certainly not going to really extend themselves for for anyone that's all they really do and you know the fact that they can score 50 points and you know look as though they're having fun doing it and you know they're not really knuckling down to their work for long periods of time is, is a credit to the talent they've got but it'll just be you know whether they can find some discipline and some good structure and you know some really pointed consistent play for 80 minutes during big games as to whether they're you know, they're going to be a threat to, to a Melbourne or a Penrith. Uh, but for, you know, for the majority of the sides in this comp, they're just, they've got far too much talent. Mm, I think the biggest thing we've said it a million times before, we know they can score, but Melbourne, yeah. Penrith, Roosters, or even a Manly, can, can they defend well enough for 80 minutes in a game? Yeah. They can certainly score, but in those games, and in particular against a Melbourne or a Penrith from their full strength, showed that you're not getting many repeats or second opportunities or chances and if you have to cycle and go end to end and actually defend and build some pressure in not being a shootout that they obviously got towed up and games during the year are different to the finals we know that but that that is the biggest thing if they can't do that in the finals it doesn't matter how well they attack no that, that's yeah more my point they're going to have to find some really you know pointed disciplined play in order to hmm. you know to win a competition you can't just attack all day I don't know look I know the rules are probably a little bit more conducive to South style of play at the moment but you just looked at the way that you know Origin was refereed in that last game 
Um, it makes you wonder whether, you know, some big games are going to be refereed differently come finals time. Mm. So you wouldn't want to rely on referees or a style of play to sort of be getting you through. Um, yeah, I think they're a side that, that need a certain track, don't they? They're like a, they're like a horse who, um, you know, they, they, they're going to need a, um, a certain style of play. In, in, you know, their, their current uh, style or in their current mindset, they're going to need a certain style of play yeah, you know, to see the big roll of Melbourne or a Penrith. Yeah, and, and later, a good later in the year, and a good start against one of those teams in particular. Because if something does yeah, go wrong, I think um, they they look good. Um, you know, in the prelim last year against the Panthers, to be fair. Um, but you know, for for a couple of plays, they they could have easily rolled Penrith in that game. But I think South's defence was far better last year. Yeah, 100%. I think we said for Penrith, Penrith played their worst three games in the finals last year. Yeah. Whereas South's kind of got hot at the right end of the time, and on the Penrith day, they still couldn't capitalise. Mm. So, different side, but like you look at last night, like Kalawa Matangi, Sua, like they've got great edges. They're getting more out of their middle. Tom's certainly catching fire at the right time of the year. Cody Walker, I still think, has been absolutely outstanding this year. He's head and shoulders for me. Their main, their main man, Luttrell, had a field day. But you look at the Dragons. They essentially missed the majority of their forward pack. They're still getting on the back end of Barbecue Gate. They've put Amone in the centres with not Like, it was a big ask with the way they shuffled things. Yeah, we, we knew that. Like, so what Barbecue Gate's now cost them three games. Mm, and then again, just through, really. shuffling through their side. So uh, not a great night for them. But back on board this week, season essentially very much on the line against a team that's directly competing with them and no more suspensions. So, yeah. they've got a chance still with the work they did earlier in the year, obviously racking up those wins early. I'm pretty sure Lomax is back this week as well. So, that's another positive to add to their side. All those guys in the forwards. Uh, yeah, interesting. The big blow, I guess, is Ben Hunt, which could really be the death knell for them because under Hook, he, he's had a really good year. Even in some losses, he's been ultra-competitive. He was good in origin. Uh, he played early in the year with a, a crack in his leg and then he's played that whole game the other night with the arm. If there's one thing you can say, he's, he's a committed son of a bitch and he's tough. 100%, yeah. But, yeah, for South, like I said, you could talk all day. Cody, Latrell, all these guys were red hot, but they essentially did it against a very understrength side. We want to see it this week against Parra. We want to see it in the coming weeks. It'd be scary to if they really clicked against Parra this weekend. They could do some significant damage to, to Parra's chances because um, they look like a little bit of a you know they're a bit of a wounded lamb at the moment. Parramatta and if Mitchell Moses doesn't come back and you know they can't find a bit of form, a bit of identity, and a bit of uh, you know I, yeah identity is probably the right word about how they want to go about their footy and how they want to attack not only this last month, but, you know, the rest of this season, South will do an absolute job on them. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Titans, Dogs, 34-6. to six. Mate, what do you think? Um, look, I thought the, the Bulldogs completed well. The Bulldogs um, competed hard. But, you know, the Titans should and were a, a cut above. Did I think they were super convincing? No, but 
you know, that's been the Titans all year, really. Um, but they won. Like, that. that's a game the Titans, you know, I've seen the Titans cough that game up, you know, several times during, you know, been a fan of the, the Goldie. So I was, I was happy with the win. Was I super happy with, you know, the performance? No, not super happy, but... Um, you know, it's, it's two points and you sort of move ahead and the Cowboys this week is, is going to be huge. And then you look at, you know, those games that we spoke about before, you know, the Newcastle game will probably be the really, really important one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're going to run into, I think it was Melbourne and South we run into, so it's not going to get easier. I'm, I'm probably more interested in how they fare against... Um, Melbourne and South, to be fair, like that'll tell you more about whether they're a top eight side or not. Because sides are gonna, we, we can you can heap as much shit as you want on those bottom ten sides, but the fact of the matter is, there's gonna be one, maybe two teams really get on a run, and their form's gonna significantly improve because they, you know, they're they're either gonna get some troops back, or you know, their motivation levels are gonna lift because finals are around the corner, they're fighting for a spot, and you know, their level of play is going to go up. So what the Titans are producing at the moment, I don't think is top eight footy, but, you know, if they could knock over Melbourne or South or, you know, at least win those three games that they, they look at and think, well, we need to win those to get in, then, you know, they probably deserve to be there. But, um, yeah, look, it was probably just a pass mark from my perspective as a, as a Titans fan. I, they didn't complete well. They made a lot of errors. Their kicking game wasn't great again. But um, I was really happy with, you know, Brimson made a lot of errors. Not a lot of things went his way, but he's starting to push up through the middle of the field there, playing a lot more direct. Um, and they were just jumping out of dummy half on the back of quick play. The ball's looking to play through, which I, I really like. I think that's when we're, when we're playing our best footy. It's, you know, rolling through the middle there with, with Taylor and um, Brimson and... You know, Sexton's do a good, a good job around there as well. So I think that's the style of play that we sort of got to, got to go with. Uh, not, you know, look to play with the feeder all the time or, you know, look to play corner post to corner post to try and generate points. Yep. Well, it's a win. And they get the Cowboys this week. Hopefully they, can, like you said, can build on that heading into the storm and uh, essentially, again, a must win just to give themselves a little bit of a buffer heading into that game. But... Uh, last one to wrap things up. You got Manly up against the Sharks, and in all honesty, first half I thought they did well to get into half time at sixteen ten. And this probably speaks to again Moni's sort of concern with Manly that if you can cycle with Manly, go set for set and not let them get on a rush of momentum, that at times they can make an error, they can get bored, or they can be susceptible to a poor defensive read, in particular on their edges. Like Kennedy just slid through way too easily off that shift play. Uh, and they're going to come up against better sides, Manly, in terms of that. But when they have the ball, in these new rules in particular, with momentum, they're almost impossible to stop, and they just score in bunches. And it happened again in two sort of avalanches of points. Like, there was a five- or ten-minute period there where it was just berserk on that right-hand side. They were rolling through the middle. They'd shift to the left. they shift back to the right. they get offload some Schuster. they long shift back. Tom gets the ball. He's picking and choosing his moments. Saab gets double. Harper gets one, then they go cold, make a few errors, give away a few opportunities, Sharks come back. Second half, bang, bang, bang. 
Tom scores a hat-trick, essentially, in, again, almost 10 minutes. Garrett gets one not long after. Uh, they take him off, obviously, at the back end, and they concede a couple of average tries with a man, with 12 men, yeah, which is probably... Yeah, right, it was garbage time. Yeah, but it's just... I more just look at those periods earlier in the game, though, in the first half when things were still in the balance and think, if you can cycle and absorb, it's if you don't give them guts of possession, I think you could you know, kind of pick Manly apart or break down their edges. They're very, very good, like we said. They're dynamic all across the field. But I think, yeah, if you give them the benefit of the doubt, good field position, extra chances attacking-wise, they are next level. But essentially, defensively, I think the Sharks ran a pretty simple shift play, just a bit of a sweep. Like, you know, the line runners do a good job, but to bite in on something as simple and let the fullback get around the outside, and he found a similar try later in the piece, I think they're going to come up against better sides. Well, they're going to come up against a good side this weekend. Mm. So this is going to tell me everything about whether Manly are a premiership threat or not. Mm. And it's as simple as that. Like, you know, they, they can bash up sides and score 40 and 50 as much as they want. But, you know, can you produce that style of footy against Melbourne? Uh, if you can, then I'll, I'll take you seriously. Well, I must admit, I'd feel more confident um, if Nelson, Tui, and Felice were all playing. I think they're out, which against that big pack, uh, you know, they're probably going to rely heavily on a good start from their, you know, starting forward pack, a little bit less off the bench. But I'll be interested to see their middle just with Harry and Cheese playing at them. That's something I'm interested to see. Like, Obviously, it would be much more ideal to have all those big boppers on board to be able to match them in that sense as well. Because essentially, if you've got Jesse, Welch, no Felice, I'm assuming he's going to play Chris Lewis, who, you know, he's a solid player, but 80 minutes is a big ask. Kenny and Dale, they're going to be very light on the bench as opposed to what you would have if you have Nelson, Tui on top of that, and then Felice starting on the edge. So I think they've got a chance this week, particularly with their forward pack, to try and really go at Melbourne. Then I'll be more interested to see if they can pull them apart on the edges. Because they're going to be a lot better defensively than other teams have played. Like I said it last week, Cronulla's missed more tackles than anyone in the comp. But I think on the flip side of that, some simple shape from Cronulla and they put picked Manly apart on the edge. So um, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Mm. But Cronulla, um, again, they were really, really lucky. Dodged some bullets early on. Manly fired some shots. They saved it. They got picked apart. Similar deal with just about everyone on the field. Too many missed tackles, too many offloads. And even when they made good contact, like a lot of their shots still turned into quick play the balls and they got played through. Um, I think Hanno did the right thing when we talked about the walk situation, the Rudolph situation. Just can those guys move on? It was a lost cause and try and keep things rolling, I guess, this week. But, yeah, I don't know. If, if they land in the eight, we've said this before, they've done well to get back to the position they're even in, considering all the drama and the way the year started. I just They're, just, they're a non-factor. I agree. But that wraps that up. So let's jump into our tips and previews of the round. For this week, brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, there's no one better than the true blue bookie. Bluebet.com.au. Download the app today and get on board. And Boxhead, our slump is over. You picked the winner. Hudson Young at $5. We banked another 200 Yeah, we did. Go so, on. We'll go on, sir. We were dreadful, in particular with my betting, and I kept forgetting every weekend. So I was leaving myself with limited games, but... Five ninety nine is the balance. Hopefully, we can uh, bust that thousand over the next couple of weeks. How much did we collect on the weekend? Two hundred five dollars, and after the stake, uh, we ended up with two hundred. That's all right. 
So five ninety nine is the balance right now. Yeah. I'd like to get to at least fifteen hundred, but that's going to take some good betting over the next ten weeks. Yeah, we'll see how we go. But we're doing our best, mate, for the team. Tips for the charity. You're still out in front. 114. I'm having a barry this year. I'm on 108. Roasty is on 113. And Gossip, 112. And looking at the lineups for bluebet.com, things kick off round 21. Newcastle on the Sunshine Coast up against the Brisbane Broncos. And Mitchell Pearce has been named to come back after best return last week, along with Ponga. The way the forward pack's going, a lot of positives, but there is a massive blow, just like we say every time they get. They're spying back together. Jaden Braley, who's been the Iron Man off the back of that knee, um, they're saying here he's been rested. Rested? Mitchell Pierce has been named to return. Phoenix Crossland's out. Jaden Braley's being rested, and Chris Randall's taking his place, and Watson is obviously playing at lock, but I'm assuming he may share some time there. But I find it extremely strange in a situation where you need to keep winning that you'd rest him. I know he's played every single minute of every game for the majority of the year, but that tells me he must have something underlying. Yeah. Because you're not in a position to rest players. No, you're not. So that's big because I think he's, you know, he's been just a rock for them. But Brisbane, uh, you know, we've seen better signs. Like we spoke about, the loss to the Tigers was disappointing. Good win against the Cowboys. Can they back it up again this week? That's yet to be seen. I'm, I'm still very confident uh, in the Newcastle side of things, and in particular, Turpin, he's out for the rest of the year. Katoni Staggs, that knee, they're not taking any chances. He's now out for the rest of the year. So Jesse Arthurs comes in. Denny Levi's going to start. Uh, you know, he's played limited minutes, and then by the looks of it, they've not moved anyone else onto the bench for him. So I'm assuming Kobe Hetherington has actually come through the grades playing nine. We'll probably get some time or push in there, and then they'll roll on another middle forward, but... Yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll be sticking with the Knights. Basically, my phone. So, see how that one plays out. Uh, and the odds with bluebet.com.au $1.29 are Newcastle, three sixty for the Broncos, minus 11.5 is the line there. Uh, TC Rabadi is back in the side as well, and young Xavier Willison played last week, gets another game. So, yeah, it's good. They're, they're getting a few through. The only thing I'm disappointed with, and again, it was just more speaking to what we said at the start of the year with mixed messaging. Like they paid Pia Cora almost half a million dollars, but then they weren't keen to use him. Mm. And it's like he's too young. And then the Walsh thing, like, oh, he was too young, we're worried about him, but he's killing the Warriors. But now they've suddenly thrown caution to the wind, and you've got Rabadi, you've got like Willis, and it just makes you think if they would have just gone with the flow at the start of the year and done the same thing, would you still have Walsh? Yeah, we probably would. Oh, that, that was essentially the reason he signed that deal. And then after that, they knew he was leaving. They let him go. Mm. But, yeah, if they would have embraced this a little bit earlier, you probably could have had a look at Pierre Carew by now. He invested heavily in and you might still have Reese Walsh. So, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. But second game, moving on. Raiders-Dragons. And for this one, again, do or die. Seb Chris failed his HIA last week, so Tomoko will take his place in the centres. Ryan Sutton returns from his injury. He was a big loss last week. So Hudson Young shifts to the second row. Harawira and Naira moves back to the bench, and Soliola's out of the 17. Elijah Anderson is on the bench and in line to make his debut, and Dunamis Louis is in the reserves. And for the Dragons, like we said, massive out with Ben Hunt. Adam Clune moves into that place potentially for the next four to six weeks. 
and then all their players back from suspension. Bird, DeBellin, Laurie, Lomax, Maguire. Ramsey's also back. They've put him in the centres again with Lomax, which interests me, uh, particularly defensively. Norman goes back to 5'8". Sullivan drops out of the side. And Jack Bird has been named at fullback, and Sloan is out of the side. So a couple of changes there um, with the season on the line. So Bird, Norman, Kloon, the spine with McCulloch, and Billy Burns also held his spot starting in the back row there. And Kerr's out of the side. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Canberra, not with a whole lot of confidence, but who knows. That's huge. And I think their forward pack can definitely do a number like they've done the few weeks prior. Um, you know, Laurie, Maguire, Burns, Sims, Deville. It's it's a solid pack, but in terms of their bench again, you've got Kate Ellis, Jaden Hunt, Jackson Ford. Their rotation is not as deep. You, on the other side, you've got Gula, who's been great, back to the bench. Harrow and Ira Sutton's back in. I think they'll be able to do more of what they wanted to do to Newcastle and what they did the few weeks prior, also out of the backfield. Um, Newcastle, like we said, did a really, really good job, but I don't think Canberra's going to do as good a job on that back three and that pack. No, I wouldn't think so. Clune's um, a good player. He does a job every time he's been in, but, yeah, Norman hasn't exactly been in the best of form. Bird will definitely bring a different X factor from the back, but, um, yeah, 80 minutes. Does he have the legs? Can he inject himself in, if for some big moments? That'll be interesting to watch as well. Yeah, will be, yeah. But uh, with Blue Bet, same odds again. The Raiders $1.29, 360 for the Dragons. 11.5 is the line again. Eels up against the Bunnies on the Gold Coast is the Friday night blockbuster. In terms of the Eels, Moses back. Arthur is out of the side. Campbell Gillard's out. Oregon Kafusi moves in to start. Nia Corey back from an injury on the bench. Bryce Cartwright is also on the bench. Stone goes back to the reserves. And Wunga Blake's been named, but he needs to pass HIA protocols. And for the Bunnies, Cameron Murray returns. So Jaden Sewer moves to the bench. And Benji Marshall is back after COVID protocols and having to wait, as is Tavita Totola after a long layoff. So Blake Taft, Patrick Mega, and David Mawal all drop out of the side. Campbell Graham and Liam Knight both failed HIAs and will be rested. So... Liam Knight, he's had a horrible run this year. It feels like every couple of weeks, read on here that he's yeah, failed yeah, yeah. a head knock. So uh, good for them, though, in the fact that they've got depth. You bring in Murray. They've pushed Arrow to the back row, which sort of surprises me. They've been using him more as that middle-type player. But to be able to have Totola come back in, who's been Mr. Reliable the last couple of years, Sewer pushed back to the bench. Uh, it's a pretty good situation to be in. And even with those changes, I, I just think, again, um, if they get their fair share of possession and in particular the way they like to play their football they'll certainly challenge their two edges that's for sure there'll be plenty of traffic no doubt going at Marnie there'll be plenty of traffic going at Mitchell Moses and I have no doubt they'll test out that Wonga Blake edge as well yeah agree so South Sydney uh, South Sydney South Sydney just yeah a bit like last week I gave the benefit of the doubt, hoping that Parramatta would show some sort of fight and they got completely overwhelmed. I thought it would be close and the Roosters could win, but I didn't expect that. But um, again, with one player and missing another one from that forward pack, which carries so much of the burden for this side, 
I don't think Moses is enough to turn their fortunes around. So uh, I'll stick with uh, the, the Rabbitohs and with Blue Bet, they're a dollar thirty-two. Parramatta three twenty outsiders eight and a half is the line there, and everyone's obviously looking for a response, but it's going to be interesting to see. Warrior Sharks, interesting game after what we saw last week, but Chanel Tavita Harris is back from his pack injury, so Peter Hiku goes back to the centres. Pompey drops out. And uh, Fanua Blake, even with that finger coming to the skin, is back, as is Matt Lodge. So they're back in the front row. Tanoa Brown goes to the reserves. Murdoch Masilla hurt his foot, so he's out. Josh Curran returns. Alessia Katoa goes to the bench. And Tavanga starts at hooker. And young Tanya Otakola has got a knee injury, which is not good. So um, he's out for the Sharks. Ramian is back after being ruled out last week. Talakai goes back to the second row. Williams to lock, Rudolph to prop, and Tolman to the bench. And Metcalf got a little bit of a taste last night. He's been dropped. Matt Moylan's in the reserves, and we'll have to wait and see if he gets a run. This is a hard one to tip with those ins for the Warriors. Like I think Hiku going back out at the centres is obviously a plus. Tavita Harris back in is a positive, and those two front rowers, and interesting to see Aiken. He's uh, been named in the back row. Yeah, he's been going good, man. That's what he went pretty well last week as well. Well, he's kind of always been not really, I'd say, the most skillful centre. He's always had a tough yardage carry, runs good lines, can score a nice try, good defensively, etc. So he, he's, the skill set and the, his build probably more suited if he can defend well consistently and has the motor for the back row. And I think yeah. Brown said to him, as much as he's played the last few weeks in that age, that you also slow down a little bit the legs, that it's probably the best position for him moving forward. So, yeah, and he's, he plays tough. So. Yeah, 100%. So, I, I, I find this one really, really hard because Cronulla have these moments. I'm going, I'm going the Sharks because they need to win more. That's it. Yeah, and that's the only reason I'm going. But I can honestly see the Warriors winning this game if they play to their potential. They had a very close game earlier in the year. Uh, maybe the highs of last week and the emotion of that win, given the circumstances, they might have a bit of a a lull this week, but um, if the Sharks aren't up for this one, this could be a bit of a war. Yeah. And the, the Warriors aren't going to, um, you know, we saw that last week, they're not going to lay down and just roll over. And, you know, with that youth, it also brings, not, not that they don't care, but they're going to be, um, they're going to throw caution to the wind. Mm. Well, with Bluebet, they're $3.10 outsiders, the Warriors, and they get nine and a half start, and the Sharks are a $1.36 favourite. I don't know if I'm as keen on those odds head-to-head, but um, that's probably a game I'd stay away from at this point in time, in all honesty. You and me both, my friend. But next one on the cards here is the Panthers up against the Roosters, 5.30 at Suncourt. That'll be a corker. And on the Roosters side of things, no surprise, Copley comes straight in onto the wing. Kieran stays in the centres with Manu. Also back in the centres this week. Uh, any other changes? We knew that Jared was 50-50, but he's beaten the charge, so he's in. Uh, what else they've got here? Other than that, it's the same side. A couple of different uh, names in their reserves, so hopefully getting some troops back on board. And for the Penny Panthers, Paul Momorowski comes back into the side this week in the centres with Crichton suspended. Kurt Catewell also pushes out into the centres, so a bit of a reshuffle there. Uh, 
bit of a different back line, that's for sure. Brent Naden pushes out to the wing with Charlie Staines. Burton and Luai still in the halves. Liam Martin still in the front row with Leota. Coruscant's back in at nine. Sorensen starts in the back row with Kiko and Yo's back at lock. And on the bench, Spencer Lenyu, Matty Eisenhuth, Mitch Kenny, and the debut of Tevita Pungai Jr. So in 21, Nathan Cleary as well. But yeah, Stephen Crichton. Forgot about this one earlier because to be honest, I didn't really pick up on a lot at the game. I was kind of in and out of the room. Uh, a lot of people are unhappy that he got charged because of the, I think it was like a kickback. I don't know who it was at, but a lot of people obviously, because it was Melbourne, brought up Munster's indiscretions with his legs. And I I can completely, you know, sympathise with everyone on that one because it's the key word we've talked about all year with charges, and that's the word consistency. If you've seen someone do something similar three or four times and only get fines and someone else, I think they've charged him because contrary conduct is a roundup thing. So maybe from the incident earlier in the year, um, it's turned into a week. But yeah, I think the key word for everyone is consistency. Yeah. It's a frustrating... I don't know how those, I'm not sure how those... how they work. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone does. That's why they're frustrated. And I'm, again, yeah. I can completely understand... So, uh, I don't know, but that's it's a fairly different looking side to have, you know, Kate Well, Momorowski, Martin still in the front row, Sorensen in the back row. The bench is still pretty strong, but I, I think the Roosters would be uh, a handful for Penrith again, that's for sure. And the big question so, is... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tipping the Roosters. I, I can't believe the odds. Well, the big thing I'm sitting at here is Nathan's in the 21. I don't know if they're playing silly buggers or what, but... If that happens, well, if, Nathan, if Cleary plays, then I'm I'm, I'm happy. You know, like I I understand the odds. You know. Yeah. If Nathan but, plays though, there'll be a big reshuffle. He'll go to seven. Luai go to six. Burton will push Catewell back to the back row. Sorensen will go to the bench, and someone will leave the bench. Which I think turns into a much better side. That you've then got Kikau, Catewell, Yo back, and Martin Leota. Like it just it's a much more balanced side. But similar to you. Just with the way they played last week, their forward pack, their bench isn't as strong as probably what Penrith edition out right now. But with those changes to the back line and what they've been doing the last few weeks and the way they've been building, purely off Cleary. If if I knew Cleary was playing, I'd tip Penrith. The fact he's not playing, I'm going to go the Roosters as well for the upset. Not with a lot of confidence, but yeah, I just I, I really think the Roosters would be a good show on this one. Yeah, me too, mate. So interesting to see how it goes, but yeah. The odds I've got here with bluebet.com, $2.87 outsider are the Roosters and the Panthers are $1.53. There's no line listed at the moment. Actually, it's nine and a half. There you go. It just didn't pop up on the computer. So, yeah, I just think with, with that question mark there, just what they get out of their halves against a side like this in particular. You know, the Roosters with that forward pack and their edges and, and what Melbourne did last week probably didn't highlight enough. Uh, earlier when we talked through it because obviously it's hard to take much out of that game but if there's one thing Melbourne did really well um, they pulled Penrith's edges apart exactly so, with players like Satilli Crichton the way Teddy's been playing on the ball and helping out a little bit with Walker and getting his opportunities um, if they can get a bit of a roller or at least match it in the middle and get to the edges it showed that they can uh, open up some space there so I have no doubt the Roosters will be able to look at the video from last week that's for sure but, yeah, bit of uh, value there. I'd probably take a, a few more points just because you could put that in a multi and maybe get like $1.70 for 12 and a half or something like that just in case Cleary does play. Um, 
But that should be a cracker of a game. And then it finishes off with another corker at Suncourt. We've got Manly up against Melbourne. And uh, on the Manly side of things, LIA is back on the bench from suspension. That's his 100th game. Curtis Sirian drops back to the extended bench. Paseca is back in the front row. He got an early guilty plea for tripping and paid a fine, so he's free. Sipley goes back to the bench and otherwise pretty much steady for Manly. So you've got the back line full intact, the halves, four, like we said, putting some games together now. Tapia, Paseca, Croker, Olika, Artu, Schuster, Jake, and a bench of Walker, Lawton, LIA, and Sipley. I thought maybe Sirenan might be able to hold a spot there, but not the case. And on the Melbourne side of things, there's been a few changes. Felice Kafusi took the early guilty plea. He will serve one week. Chris Lewis moves in to start in the back row. Tom Eisenhuth's back from injury on the bench. Nico Hines has been named at one again. Brandon Smith still at hooker. So Pappenhausen and Harry Grant are both on the bench. Kenny Bromwich failed his HIA. He still needs to pass the play, but he's been named. But Melbourne obviously missing a bit of forward power as it's got here. Nelson, hamstring. Tui Kamikamika's got a calf problem. Aaron Penne has got an Achilles issue, and they're still waiting to see the results uh, in terms of Kamikamika and Penne. So a few big boppers who are doing a very, very good job. Leaves the bench potentially a little bit light this week. They've got Harry Grant and Pappenhausen we know about, but Jordan Grant, who's barely played uh, in his two games, and Tommy Eisenhuth, who's a bit more of a utility-type player. It'll be interesting to see how that pack holds up. Uh, it's going to be a big ask on Welch and Bromwich, I think, minutes-wise, and the edges are going to have to be very strong. Lewis is going to get a hell of a test, that's for sure. Well, you know it. Because he's playing for Lisa's edge, which is right, so he's going to be seeing Schuster and all the ball playing and offloads that they like to run down that side of the field. Yeah, it'll be a massive test, like you said. So I think there yeah, that those holes in the forward pack, I think Manly are right in this. Um, yeah, like in it, in it, yes. Do I expect them to win? No. I think Melbourne are cut above, and they'll prove to be a cut above um, come the weekend. I do Manly have plenty of star power. Yes, have they? You know, proven the, themselves to be worthy to challenge Melbourne. Yeah, but uh, you know, I want to see them action it and get out there and put it put in a good performance. They, to be fair, they they were one of the only sides that I really thought put it to Penrith when Penrith had their full complement there at the start of the year. So they've certainly got the ability to do it. Um, but I'm going to tip Melbourne because I just expect you know that Melbourne side just to to roll through. Well, I'm going to go the upset, given the rotation that they've got there. Um, do you think do you really think they'll do the half-time swap again with Nico and Pap? Um, I think it's coming to a point, regardless of what you think future-wise. And last week, people were like, oh, they've just sat him for the half. I'm like, well, long-term, your, your fullback's Pappenhausen. I was happy to ride the hot hand heading to the finals, but clearly they're looking to reincorporate him. But in a game like this, I think it's too important. Like, I think you've got to go one way or the other. I think yeah. if he's playing, he needs to start. Yeah. So, but yeah, I have a real issue with Grant and Eisenhuth being our middle rotation. If they're going to have Paseca, Tapia, those two edges that we talked about, they'll bring on LIA. Simply does a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I just think it's a big ask on Jesse, who's already playing a bit busted up. If Kenny got ruled out, I'd be really worried. Because Kenny and Lewis... 
if Kenny's off the edge and it's Lewis, they're more than likely will start Tom, who you know will do a good job. But then who they bring onto the bench, probably Liero. Um, there'd be a massive ask on a few of those guys in the pack. I'm confident that Cheese and Harry can do enough and manipulate and try and probe if they can cycle and control things. But I think this is going to be a different kind of game for Melbourne, given who they've got in their forward pack. They're going to have to tighten up. They're going to have to complete well, and they're definitely going to have to kick well. They're not going to be able to throw it around as much, I don't think, because um, I just don't think they'll break them open as much with those middles missing that they've got. Yeah, would agree with that. So, it's going to be a great contest, and the odds reflect it. Well, maybe not. That's, I think it's a good value for Manly, in all honesty. $3.75, and you get 12 and a half start with Bluebet.com. The Melbourne Storm, $1.27 and minus 12 and a half. So Manly, 1 to 12, 5.50. I'd take the start. I'd take 12 and a half. 100%. With that yeah. forward pack at the moment, uh, I think that's great value. So there you go. Uh, dogs, Tigers, again, don't know what to make of this one. The Dogs, at least you know what you get every week in terms of effort, but a couple of changes. Yeah. Again, on the Bulldog side of things, Flanagan has been dropped again. Bailey beyond Diodi gets a start in the halves at 5'8", which is natural position. Avarillo. Goes back to halfback, so another change in the halves there. Uh, fellow kicker Manu returns. Jade Nockenball's out. Nick Meany is back to fullback, is it? Yep, and Corey Allen's back to the wing, so another change in the back line side of things. And Arvasia Manafana starts. Napa and Katoa gets a start on the bench in place of Renoff Tony. And for the Tigers, Mbai goes to fullback with Laurie out with that fractured leg. Uh, utility, Cheekam, he's back. And the bench, he takes Imbai's place in the centres. Tarmau's back with a foot. And Twal goes back to the bench. McKaylee returns. And Jalfa Hengawi is on the bench. And Tuki Simpkins has been axed. Zach Sini takes his place on the bench. And Kelmatulungi's been retained after making his debut. I couldn't believe it took so long for him to get his debut, in all honesty. Um, and I don't understand with the way things are going at the back end of the year here why you wouldn't have a look at some of those guys you've only got for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I think the yeah. season gone for both these teams. So, um, yeah, throw them in, have a look, look, look ahead to next year. Oh, I think Beyond Diodo has been really good off the bench. Yeah, been good, really, really good. Didn't play a cup game with us this year. Uh, played all flag and then when they moved into the current scenario where there's no cup, he found himself, you know, moved in and, yeah, he made all his impressed with him in his first game and he's, he's given me no reason to, to doubt him since. So, uh, yeah, all positive. I guess the biggest difference here, he'll be on a natural position on the edge, which leaves you a bit more exposed defensively and he's going to have to play 80. Um, and then, obviously, Manu in, reshuffle on the back line. Still misses Thompson for me. That's the big thing. Without Thompson, um, I kind of want to tip the Tigers, but you just don't know what you're going to fucking get. No, you don't. You're right. Uh, and like Laurie, along with Dewey, are the two most consistent pieces of the Tigers. You know, and Boyle just will do a job for you, but yeah, Cheekham in the centres with Talia. They're not playing exactly against the strongest side on the flip. I'm going to go. I'll go with the Tigers, but with, again, fucking zero confidence. Yeah, Tigers for me. I think maybe, again, just like the Bulldogs. I know they're they're more rotating to their squad, like Gus said, to get a look. You know, Patolo, Dory on the bench, like similar deal. That that sort of rotation, 
Beyond in his first game, interesting play 80. Kikamanu getting around. Like, it just more seems like they're doing exactly like he said. They're going to have a look at everybody. Yeah, it does. And, and the Tigers, they're fucking kidding themselves if they don't have a crack. Well, they're, they're kidding themselves if they can't um, win this one. But we said that last week, didn't we? So. Yeah, well, the, the Blue Bet bookies have certainly tightened things up on the Tigers. They're $1.46, the Dogs two seventy, and they wouldn't have been that price many times this year. Six and a half start is the line. Um, and the last game of the round, your Gold Coast Titans up against the Cowboys at Seabus Super Stadium. Patrick Herbert returns. Isan goes back to the extended bench. Philip Sami has to wait another week. He was very close. Peachy, he took the early guilty plea, so he's out for a week. Aaron Clark takes his place on the bench. Fafita has been named to start again, but as has been the case the last two rounds, they've swapped with for more, so wait and see. For the Cowboys, Valentine Holmes is back, which is... Very surprising because I basically thought they said he was done. So Greenville goes back to the bench. Kane Bradley, after two games, he fractured his hand. He's out for the rest of the season, so another long-term injury for the Cowboys. Benny Hampton goes to the centres and Torlagi shifts back to the wing. And Peyton has promoted his whole bench. So Tom Gilbert starts prop. Lukey is going to start in the back row. Hess at lock. And Molo will go back to the bench along with Dunn, Shane Wright, and Tamalolo shifts to the second row, so they're going to get him on an edge. Yeah, Titans, man. Yeah. I can't see... Um, well, I can see the, the Cowboys winning, but, you know, like we spoke about before, it's just moving into that period of the season where it's... The teams are have to win. Yeah, no, I think... You just think they've got more to play for. I, I know the Cowboys have lost seven in a row and that's a huge incentive to you know improve in your performance and but yeah I, I, I'm not sure I think, I think the Cowboys do have a bit of a, a wood on the Titans though well again when they play their best footy and even with what they've named I think they're certainly good value like what they dished up against Melbourne but he's clearly sent a message by reshuffling that pack and having a couple of guys drop to the bench. I'm more interested to see their two edges now. I think they've really lacked, you know, a dynamic player on the edge for the majority of the year. Dunn's an X5-8 converted to an edge. I think he's a good footballer, but he's not awfully dynamic and powerful. Um, and then the other side of the field, Wright's just a bit of a toiler, but, you know, he's trusted Gilbert to do a job there with McLean. He's got a couple other younger guys on the bench, but to have Tamalolo and Lukey, I've really liked the look of Lukey so far. And Tamalolo... When uh, we played like 20s and juniors and when he first got into grade, played more on that edge. If they can get him on Taylor or get him at Sexton, etc., and we know for feeder, I don't know which edge each guy's going to be on. He's not the best defender in the world. I think that certainly is a point of interest to have a look at. But whether they can do enough with their middle to get good football to their edges, that's a different story. So Yeah, I don't, like, I don't, don't think it's as cut and dry as what the odds will suggest, even though, yeah, I'm looking at the odds now. Yeah, it's not as cut and dry as what and the odds with bluebet.com.au the Cowboys are $3.80 the Titans $1.26 11 and a half is the start so what about bets how'd your bets go last week I wrote some of them down yeah it went really good really really good I think I got well I had the Roosters head to head then a couple of those doubles got up so I think I went maybe five wins four or five wins out of eight so it's pretty good all my hookers didn't score that was great. 
But I'm just going to ride the Satili train. That he scored again until the wheels fall off. Uh, I think Titans, I had two. I said Tino and Kelly. They both got over. There you go. Uh, Manly, I went R2 and Harper. Olakartu, just... Daniel Cherubins must hate Olakartu. I think he hates him. So many times. He just wants to throw a fucking cutout pass when he's just running a lead line and he was steaming. I'm like, just give the big man the pill. Give him some bonus. Oh, they use him out of yardage, which is fine, and he's damaging, but there was a few times we've shaped, like they played the edges profusely. I know they were leaking like a bloody wet paper bag, the old Cronulla Sharks, but two or three times he just threw it for no reason and it went around the feet or sub cut back in. I'm like, just hit the big man. He was steaming onto a couple, so he never even got a sniff. Harper scored, though, so it was three or four out of a thousand, but, you know. Yeah. Hopefully uh, some winners again this weekend, but Hopefully. We'll, we'll wait and see. Is there any game you like? I like the... Uh, uh, no, not this early in the week. I like, I like that sort of on a, probably on Thursdays. Well, I do like... Like I said, the start for Manly. 12 and a half, I think, is generous. I like the Roosters' odds head-to-head if Cleary doesn't play. Well, I'd take them 12 and a half, and I'd take Manly 12 and a half. Yeah, the start now, I don't like the... Um, the start's a little deceiving with the way that the rules are because it's... They can just very easily um, get away from you. You can be competitive in a game, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you're behind by... An absolute stack just based on the way the rules work. So I'm with you, but if you think a team can win, and you're getting good start, yeah. But that's yeah. that's more my logic here. I I think they're both a chance to win. So if you're going to give me 10, 12 points, I, I, yeah, but I'd rather I'd rather just back them to win that. Yeah, I'm with you, but I'm not 100 percent confident. Right, so, but yeah, if you're going to give me 10 and a half, 12 and a half points, I'll, I'll take both. You take it to the bank. I'll take it to the bank. The blue bet bank. There's no one better to bet with than the true blue bookie, bluebet.com.au. Big thanks to them. Big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. And, uh, yeah, we went back to the one-pod format this week. We obviously had the late finish, and I'm back at work now, full-time. Not... Yeah, but it was also Monday Night Footy as well. Yeah, but I'm not on call anymore, so it's going to be impossible to do it Monday daytime when you've probably got the availability, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, we just, we just oh, yeah. work. Well, once, if daycare goes back to normal after your lockdown and work, we'll just wait and see in the next week or so. But at the moment, we're back uh, at work every day as normal. So, yeah, it'll have to be have to be the Tuesday nights. Yeah, it is what it is. But everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed the extra content. And again... Stay safe, stay healthy, active, talk to your friends, talk to your family. Um, again, I think in particular, Joel Whaling, I think it was. I have to, we have to get back to you, buddy. I'll, I, told, I have to tell Boxhead to follow up on it. He's got more stuff for you in terms of coaching resources, books, other bits and pieces that you want to read up. And I'll give a shout out to uh, Josh Costello. He gave me a very nice betting tip. A very nice betting tip. Okay, there you go. So... I'd like to go further, but I'll discuss that off here. Yeah. Sweet. But everybody out there, like we said again, hope you're healthy, hope you're safe, staying sane, keep active. If you've got any questions, if you've got anything you want to talk about, hit us up in the inbox. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.